Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 71. We're back in the basement on a Saturday afternoon to talk about some more wrestling. I am your host, and across the table from me, as always, is my teenage son and co-host, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Still fighting a bit of the sickness? Um, I don't know, my nose is just a little stuffy sometimes, but it's right. not, I'm not really that. Like, my throat's fine. Your brother seems fine, you Other seem than... pretty good, your mother's still not so great. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Good. Well, what have we been up to this week? Let me see. I just got back from your brother's basketball game, coaching him. They crushed by 41 points. I felt a little bad for the other team, in fact. Your brother played cool. well. I know that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Led the team in assists, as he should, as the point guard of the team. Played quite well, so that was fun. And then you just sort of hung out here. Started watching Family Guy, right? As yep. your new... He's old enough. He's watching Family Guy with me. We finished, what, your third or fourth round of third. The Office? Yeah, and then third. moved into your first round of Family Guy, so we're up to what two episodes in, I think. You're finding uh, it funny. We're like, we didn't finish the third one, but we're, we're halfway on. through the third episode, so that's what's new with us. Other than that, just another week of school, another week of work, right? Anything exciting at school happening? No. I, I know you're disappointed, but you found out your timetable's going back to the normal timetable. Yeah, now I have to in carry all weeks. my stuff every day. Yes, but instead of having two and a half hour classes, which is ridiculous for everybody involved, you'll be back to now I have gym every 75 week. minutes. You do, but only for half the time. Yeah, but... That's the key. You'll be shocked at how quickly the periods are over when they're now 75 minutes instead of 150. It's going to feel a lot different to you, but anyways. Nice. Yeah, you'll probably like it once you get used to it. Yeah, so we're just sort of uh, welcoming a little bit of wintry weather here in southern Ontario, right? It's been kind of cold. A little bit of snow here and there, but nothing that's accumulated. So we're going out on some family outing tonight, right? To some festival of lights or something in uh, Markham? Something, yeah. Yeah, so we, I think it's all organized and we walk through it and then there's food trucks there and stuff where we can grab a meal as well. So I think that's the plan for a... I'm in for the food trucks, yeah. Saturday night in November food in southern good. Ontario. So that's what we're doing. But I don't know. I don't really have much else to talk about. Any banter that you want to banter? I hope they have good food trucks. Oh, they probably will, I'm like. sure. It's a pretty seems like a pretty well-organized setup, so I'm confident the food will be pretty decent. Ah, I hope one place was P-Mill. P-Mill on a bun? Yeah. It's your go-to. Food truck P-Mill, good. Which I think American friends call that Canadian bacon. We just call it P-Mill bacon. Yeah. We're famous for it, apparently. It is delicious. So. Yeah, that's good. It is or not like your normal bacon. Maybe like a good wrap place, because I think last time I got like a shawarma. I remember when, you... when we went to like the thing, there was like a bunch of food trucks in the parking lot yeah. or whatever. You got a shawarma wrap? Yeah. yeah. And there's like good mango juice. Take a wild guess what your brother will get. A burger. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah, maybe there's some burgers. Oh, a pizza food truck would be cool. Yeah, I don't know what's there, but I don't we'll know if find that's out. an actual thing. Oh, if there's one with tacos, I would like a taco. Just food looking truck. for something a to do. A taco truck. That's what I want. Yeah, that'd be cool. That might happen. Yeah. But anyways, you ready to talk about some wrestling? Yep. All right, so that's going to bring us to talking our first segment, which is going to be looking at the week's wrestling news and rumors. <laughs> So I thought it was a pretty light week of news this week, yeah? Yeah. I, like, was struggling to find... I usually want to have two or three things, but I did kind of find the ratings, but even that wasn't the normal ratings. I'll explain why in a minute. But for NXT, we've got it. So Tuesday's live WWE NXT 2.0 episode drew 625,000 viewers on USA Network, which is up 8.89%, earned a .14 in the 18 to 49 demographic, up 27.27%. Um, so it was back above 600,000 with the War Games build. 
but still not back to what the show was doing in the late summer and most of October. A slight improvement for NXT, but Difference still not in the back. late summer, though, is that was good NXT. It, right, and I Happy think that's NXT. kind of the thing here. This is not good NXT, so the numbers are up this week, but kind of down overall, I guess. And then, I guess because of American Thanksgiving, the ratings for AEW still aren't officially in. So what we're going with is Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics, who's very reliable generally. I think he's now affiliated with Post Wrestling, which is a pretty good site as well. So he's estimating that the final Dynamite viewership, because they just had like the fast whatever, which I don't even understand it, but I'm going to go with his estimate. He's estimating it'll be around 855,000 viewers, which would be a decrease of just over 13% from last week. And the key demo he's predicting will be at 0.29, which would be down just over 21.5%. So... Looks like the numbers are down for AEW, but I'm not going to get too much into it because we don't actually know if those are the concrete numbers. So we're just sort of speculating a little bit, but I think Brandon Thurston probably knows what he's talking about. What do you have for us? Um, So there's like a Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal sure. um, yesterday on SmackDown, and the winner would face Roman Reigns. And interesting uh, winner is Sami Zayn. Is he a babyface right now? No. Right, I thought so. Mm, but then now I'm thinking maybe that's, maybe this is them, them starting that perhaps because he's better as that. And they like, can't. We've talked about it. They can't build baby faces. Like who's on the horizon that's a legitimate challenger to Reigns at this point, right? Nobody. Yeah, no one. Right? No, like literally nobody. They've. I mean, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but that mm, is he yeah. even on SmackDown? I don't even know he who's is, on what. And we've done like, we've done that route before, right? So. There's really not yeah. much fresh baby face. And Sami Zayn, like he's he was good as a heel, but I feel like his like I was saying that he's kind of like Rollins. Like there, I think both of their heel runs have run their course. Yeah. But the difference is Zayn has been a heel since 2017. Yeah. So like October 2017, so it's been like like over four years or something, I think. And Sami Zayn is an awesome baby face if they want right. to embrace it. I've heard like and very he's yet to win a title as a baby. Face, very very much roster. speculation and rumors of your favorite like Braun Breaker being thrust into the main roster as a baby face contender right off right. the bat. Because they have no one else. Exactly. Because even though he rushed. sucks, they have no one else. Right. Uh, the only couple things I have, I think I have three. One of them is an update on Johnny Gargano's deal with WWE. So he has signed a one week extension. To right, his to original deal. For war games. Right, so that that's according to Fightful, and now his contract will end December 10th. And apparently, talks between the two sides are ongoing. And the report noted, much like Adam Cole, WWE speaks highly of Gargano, um, and he's w hopefully willing to extend his oh, contract. Oh, I'm sure they do right now. Uh -huh. But there are other companies more than likely interested in his services as well. So if he's extended enough to sad. be at War Games. He also has the added sort of wrinkle of his wife working with NXT and still contracted. And that basically I read that because WWE is such a caring company, they're not counting her time on maternity leave, right? They'll add it to the end of her contract, uh, which is so stupid, right? I don't think that's really cool. But anyways, that's what it looks like. Gargano's got one more week past what he was normally scheduled anyways. What do you have? Yeah, I think I saw that. I forgot to put that in. That's all right. I got it. Um, and then uh, Lucha Bros vs. FTR are going to face off for the AEW tag titles once again. Next, This time it'll be on Rampage next week in a 2 or 3 falls match. So they're making you watch Rampage. They definitely will make me watch Rampage. Yep. And they can fill most of the show with that match, right, I would assume? And I'm here for that all day. I can't remember if they've done a 2 or 3 falls match yet. I know they did an Iron Man match because that was Omega it, and Pat. It feels like it... It's warranted here, right? With these teams, I feel like they've had a couple normal yeah, matches both already. Had, and both of them kind of have a win, right? No, but well, yeah, and both of them ended kind of by 
I don't know, nefarious means or shenanigans. Like shenanigans. Yeah, or kinda. whatever. You're right. Because right. even the Lucha Bros one, like FTR pulled the killer bee switcheroo, so yep. then they, that was like kind of illegitimate, and then they cheated to win the AAA tag title, so that was also kind of illegitimate. Those guys in FTR, man, they're just cheaters, eh? Yeah. Terrible, terrible, they, terrible. They suck. Yeah. Um. What else do I have? Beth Phoenix. Sucks. This one I kind of put in. You can tell it's a late news week. She named an an NXT talent that stands out to her. Any care to guess who it is? Indy Harwell. Nope. Uh, Braun Breaker. Who would be one of the last people you would pick as a standout? Von Wagner. Close. Uh, Tony D'Angelo. Correct. Uh, the Glamazon spoke about Tony D'Angelo and praised his character for resonating with the audience. I hate her more. He's, quote, he knows the character and it resonates with the audience. I don't want to say it's a simple character because it's not. Kinda, it is. It kind of is. Everything on it is. There's what a million mean? layers to it, she what? says. But it's a familiar character. Other characters in WWE have brought some of those flavors. This flavor is like code for stereotypes. Yeah, I feel it's like. familiar if you watch like 70s WWE. And or he's something. pulling or from 90s. other inspirations 90s. and maybe TV and movie characters. He's pulling from every stereotypical Italian mafia character in the history of pop culture. This is not some revolutionary, it's like progressive good. character and gimmick. It's really just lowest common denominator everybody's seen gangster movies so we'll have a gangster character so i i don't know anyways it bugs me anything else for you yeah that just proves my theory that beth phoenix sucks and she's an idiot well i don't know she might be just a shill right she's a company person so yeah, she needs to say things. she's really good shill. i don't like to call anyone an idiot if she was gonna really shill why don't you start praising von wagner she's probably shilling for who she's told to shill for true yeah uh no i have nothing else uh, the only other thing I have is that already, we haven't even talked about it on NXT, but we'll get there. It's not a big spoiler anyways. The WWE may be dropping plans for their Daddy's Girl character on NXT that debuted this week. Trust fund. So we got, uh, it's a vignette aired for Tiffany Stratton, who portrays basically a rich, spoiled Daddy's Girl character, it seems. Yeah, we didn't like say Daddy's tennis. Girl, we said like entitled, sort of. Yeah, yeah and she's like a country club tennis Yep, person. and the basic idea is it's like the Mean Girls film, which I don't think you've seen yet, but we'll watch it at some point. However, it looks like fans may never see that character on NXT because it I'm might okay be that. dropped. So Brian Alvarez said, I don't know if it's because of me. I'm not going to take credit for this, but I couldn't help but hear within the last few hours that they may not be backing they may sorry, they may be backing away from this daddy daddy's girl character, so we'll see. I'm not sure how many vignettes they've already shot, but if she's no longer talking about daddy, then you'll know why. You heard it here first. So basically Brian Alvarez, he said he's been critical of WWE having older men on creative, as we have been critical of that mm -hmm. as well, coming up with this daddy's girl character and only showing certain parts of her body in the vignette, right? We never actually get to her head, right, in this week. So it's kind of gross. Um, and I didn't this, even think of that, yeah. That they're trying to attract younger viewers, right, by pushing the envelope. But this is a show that their ratings are older men. The ratings above, like, 50-year-olds is their main demographic. So kind of weird that you're pushing that character... I get that you're trying to get younger viewers, but your actual viewers are older men. Right. That should not be really interested in this gimmick, in theory. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Yeah, it's it's weird. So that is all I have for news as well. So I guess we can move into talking about, for possibly the final time, right? Our favorite show every week. Not really. It's NXT 2.0. Oh. Well, I think this might be the last time we do 2.0 until maybe, I don't know if you're it willing. It literally all hinges on the main event. 
right? So Jack decided coming into this, if Pete Dunn wins... I will stay on until for a month until the next right. year, and then we'll see how bad it is then. And I've gotten to the and point where... he loses, I quit. It's been me the optimist and me the guy that's been watching NXT since day one is now at the point where I don't, I don't care anymore because this has... Right. We've talked it's about it. We've given been, it more than its fair chance. I, I, I initially, I remember, I wanted to give it like two weeks. Yep. And it's been like at least two months. And it's been so bad. Like, And if they're not even going to have the decency to treat my boy with respect, then I will not watch. And week in, week out, like not fun bad. Just bad, not fun to watch, not fun to talk about because there's nothing Right, that's of... perfect for me. Like if it's, if it's bad... But it's fun to talk about here. I will do that because I don't right. mind making myself suffer. But, but it's not that if fun. it's not fun to talk about here, then I'm just making myself suffer twice. Right. Which so we'll is see. Uh, this could be. I mean, maybe we'll check in on it every now and then, and I imagine we and watch I'm the pay per views. Yeah, I will at least. I will watch the pay per views because that for me is at least like that removes half of the bad for me because that's just gonna be matches right Hell, we Which... watch survivor series so we can watch anything <laughs> at this point right but we'll talk about that's that later true. too and so we will watch that and at least those won't desecrate takeovers right uh so, so this show starts out with well the not the the new version of the now then forever whatever that opening then little forever that little graphic thing is so yeah. that gets interrupted by grayson waller speaking right really um, they, interrupted, yeah, that's they interrupted that opening thing mm-hmm. uh yeah because you came down a couple minutes late and i think missed that part of it um so waller immediately is calling out the fans for turning on him and he compared it to the fans turning on john cena so i, I liked right away that he's comparing himself to john cena right yes yeah, that's that's this mi- mid card NXT guy comparing himself to one of the all timers, but anyway, it'd be different if it was like Austin Theory doing that. He then talks about people booing others with a lot of social media followings, and then again brings up John Cena and The Rock here. So again, putting <laughs> him rock. putting himself in with those two, which Surprised is pretty LA funny. Knight isn't doing that because he's Rock and Austin. He says the crowd booed Roman Reigns, and now he's the biggest star in WWE. And Waller That's is fair. Waller is going to follow that path. Then uh, Champa's theme hits and he comes out. Um, so I just had some quick. See, I don't thoughts. mind that logic because that's not bad heel logic, right? Because Roman Reigns was despised for years, and then when yes. he actually embraced it, he was. That's right. He, he's where he is now. Um, I liked Waller here, but I liked him better when he wasn't, because now he's fully trying to be like, I'm a heel, I'm a heel, right? Like it's not quite so subtle I, anymore. Yeah, I liked it when he was just kind of like cocky, but yes. like kind of likable. Yeah, but, and just kind of yeah, just kind of an annoying guy. And for me, I like I see that I kind of see the double turn that you you've been talking about, yes. but like I don't think it works because yeah, Waller can play the heel, but I don't mind him as like a like maybe a baby face with an edge, and then I think La Knight is just he's a heel like he i don't he's not the most whether that's baby where they're so going far. or not he's just not a baby face like whether yeah. they're going to try that or not like he just ever since i've seen him like even when he was eli drake i've never seen eli drake as a baby face not once in my life right and then la Knight, like he just everything about him is just not a baby face right so it's like definitely more work to get him baby face i'm than fine waller with heel. waller going heel but like then he shouldn't be feuding with la Knight. right uh, i thought he was okay here um I did like the comparisons to Rock and John Cena just because they're so ridiculous. It's kind of funny, right? So I right. thought that was yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd like him to dial it back a bit again and be a little more subtle, but I th- thought this was okay. So it, we then transition right into a non-title match, which is sort of one of the themes of this show, right? I think there was a couple <laughs> of them. Um, yeah, there was actually, yeah. Yeah, so Tommaso Ciampa is taking on Grayson Waller. So 
I sort of walked into this assuming this was going to be like a three to five minute affair, right? Um, not really expecting yeah, a ton. I, I could have also seen it being like that Roderick Strong match with Waller that I ended yeah. up liking. Because that was like a good showcase for Waller. So, I mean, I guess I had a bit of expectations just based on that. So Champa's on fire right away with aggressive stomps in the corner. And then we get a nice running knee to Waller seated in the corner and another one right after. Neckbreaker by Waller after he pulls Champa off the second rope. We get a back elbow by Champa that finally stops Waller in his tracks, but Waller a bit later hits another neckbreaker and then stays in control with some basic offense for a while here. Champa eventually gets his boot up, but we get a spine buster by Waller and he goes for the people's elbow, right? Because he's already made reference to the rock, I guess, but he misses that move. Champa then takes yeah, over. Yeah, he didn't do it great. He didn't do it like the same either. No, he put. His I can't own remember if he was wearing it. elbow pads, but I don't think. I think so. he was wearing a elbow pad and he didn't even remove it, so he sucks because he didn't even you have to remove the elbow pad for sure champa takes over with clotheslines waller goes over the top to the floor champa throws waller over the announce table as we head into commercial and just so you know up where we're watching we do not get picture in picture despite it being promised here champa catches that waller AEW's thing yeah catches waller with the knee as waller comes off the second rope ripcord ddt by champa but waller counters the fairy tale ending into a roll up for a two count we get a fireman's carry into a spine buster for two by Waller. It looked pretty good. He then goes up top, but Champa follows him and hits a pretty nice air raid crash off the second rope, sort of falling backwards, right, for a near fall. We get chops to uh, kneeling Waller, but he couldn't. He sort of counters the fairy tale ending a second time into cravat knees and then a what I call the torture rack into a roll through slam. So he ends up sort of rolling through, and they're on their stomach, right? It was like a fireman's carry rolling senton, but. In a torch rack and stuff. Right. Uh, Which, I mean, he didn't land great on it. But. No, but it's still kind of interesting. And then he hits a second rope elbow drop right after that for another two count. Uh, diving tope to Champa on the floor now. And then Champa suddenly rolls Waller into position for the Willow's Bell, which he actually does hit. Follows up immediately with the fairy tale ending and picks up the win in about 13 and a half minutes. That's like an Iron Man match on NXT 2.0. Yeah, what I'm did... surprised about the time limit. Me too. What did you think of the opener? Um, I thought it was a pretty good opener, better than anything they've done in the past three weeks, which yep. is that's just sad. Um, Waller got a surprising amount of offense, which is good for him, and this was a smart way to book him after last week, because Champa was always going to win. It's just a matter of it making him sure. look good, which I think they did a good job of, which it's weird to say that they did a... Uh, good job a, of making someone a, look good. Not a horrible job of right. doing something. Um, and that's also why I liked about that Waller Strong match a little while back. Yep. Um, I think this one was definitely longer, but I I, don't know, I still probably like that one better. The one was strong. It was good, but, yeah. Waller's um, I good. Think, I think this is a good uh, start to the show, and then it's nothing but down. Waller's one of the, again, we talked about it before, he has some experience wrestling, right? He didn't just walk off a football field and into Right, and they keep saying like he just walked center. off reality TV, but like he obviously had a bit of wrestling. I looked it least. up. I think he's been wrestling four years, right? right Which so. I think he looks pretty good. I thought this was a really good match. and he, He's definitely one of the better, quote-unquote, new school guys. I kind of think they're making a future star here. Um, this felt more like a match from NXT 1.0, right? I thought mm-hmm. for sure, and that's there's a couple on this show, which was nice. So I was surprised at how kept competitive Waller was made to look. Like he got, I would say he spent the majority of this match on offense, right? And he looked really good. And he has like a de- deceptive strength because you kind of expect him because he started out on 205 Live, right? To be this cruiserweight really fast. But he had some nice power moves as well and showed off some quickness. So I thought he got a lot in this match and he looked really good. And Champa looked super aggressive to start out. And then he sort of like 
stepped aside and let this kid do his thing and look good. So I thought it was an excellent start to the show. And again, I this was a, like almost three times longer than I expected it to be. So I really enjoyed this match actually to start out. So LA Knight is then shown backstage watching the match that just took place. And Mackenzie asks him about it. So Knight talks about how he could have cost Waller that match. But Waller did a good job doing that by himself like Knight knew he would. So it was kind of like that him going right like... I would do traditional heel stuff, but I'm not a heel anymore. Yeah, and then part of it for me both is that, like, he's kind of, like, then the line after feels kind of heel to me. So, I don't know. For me, it's, like, a bit of mixed signals. Yeah, it could be. Uh, And then Knight says Waller sucks, and that's a fact of life. And Joe Gacy shows up. Another kind of hint, maybe, that Knight's going babyface right now. He's got issues with other heels on the show. But anyways, so Gacy shows up and says that Knight's words are destructive Knight says he's close to attacking Gacy now, and Gacy says his safe space in the ring is always open. Knight thinks that Gacy sounds creepy, and says that in the ring there will be no microaggressions, but maybe some ruthless aggression. Ha ha ha. Knight says Gacy will get his ass stomped, and that is not an insult, that's just a fact of life. Yeah. Knight walks away as Gacy says Knight should leave the aggression in the locker room. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was okay. It doesn't really work. So I, I just Knight does not work as a baby face. Like I think some like he definitely dialed back heel a bit in some parts, but in some parts it just feels like regular LA Knight. So I, I like I said, I'm getting a bit of mixed signals and like yes, I feel like him feuding with heels doesn't like necessarily um make him a face because like this is the same company and same brand that booked like <laughs> a lot the... of heel versus heel yes. title matches and feuds and whatnot, right? Yeah. Like. So, I mean, yes, sometimes, granted, like, hit row, turn face, kind of, yes. for example, but, like, I don't know, and I, I don't know, it just doesn't, it, it just feels, feels weird. It feels like he's trying to do the super cocky baby face, like, the but, rock pulled right, off. Right, but, but it just doesn't feel And the lately, same. Knight hasn't really been winning either, right? Like, we talked about this before, it's not like he's put a string of dominant wins together, right? So, it's kind of, there's a bit of a disconnect, And him, think, for, yeah. him with gacy here that just feels like kind of random and just it does out of the blue like and considering he's definitely not done with waller i don't understand the interaction with gacy either yeah um so waller i guess like to me it it looks more double turn than to you because waller's clearly a heel right i definitely see it but i don't see why they're doing it because it definitely no i don't either i definitely don't think it will work so i thought it was a fine segment it seems to be providing knight with another heel opponent that he can beat ahead of waller that's where i thought this was going at the time who knows but um yeah i thought it was okay they may be occupied elsewhere we then get in my notes quote unquote highlights from last week's poker showdown where basically Grimes ends up Highlights bluffing. Highlights is considerate. He bluffed Duke Hudson, and Hudson got mad, and then power bombed Grimes through the poker table, or p- poker table, which actually looked kind of good. And cut his beard. And then got scissors and cut his beard and hair, um, for no reason really. Like there was that was a very random thing to attack, right? Like I, I don't know. I guess maybe because Grimes is ugly hillbilly, and he is big, handsome, muscular man. It just feels like they worked their way backwards, right? They went. And poorly, because maybe it's not a bad way to do it. But then, okay, so we want to get to a hair versus hair match. How Spoiler. Do, how do we get there? And then it was like this most obvious, ridiculous. We'll just yeah, I have, have him grab scissors and cut I his have, hair. I have more to say on this. Oh, we'll get there then. Segment. Um, so the, the phantom interviewer, as I describe it, because I don't know who they're it's talking like where to. It's like they're... It's like the interviewer is holding the camera or right. something. So they try to interview Toxic Attraction. They say something about war games and call Cora Jade a poser and that she doesn't belong in the same ring as Mandy. 
Dakota then joins them and she's doing her acting really strange and twitchy uh-huh. and whatever, barely acknowledging them as they walk together like she's sort of in her own little world, I guess is the idea. Then they walk past a bunch of smashed stuff, but they sort of continue Ooh, on their way. Oh, it looks like someone's personal smash room. And after they w- walk by, it's revealed that it is, in fact, Kaylee Ray. She's shown with a baseball bat and she is the one that has been smashing things. What did you think? Uh, toxic attraction suck. This sucked. I don't like Dakota Kai's involvement in this already. And they made her look super stupid here. Whatever they new did. thing is, I don't know what to call it, but it's dumb and they need to drop it. Like, she's never been weird or psychotic or twitchy or whatever this is. It's stupid and random. And I don't think and, she's doing well delivering it. Just, she, it. And I like her right, a lot. Right, and that's not... Maybe she like she's just out of her depth or something. I don't know. And the Kaylee Ray thing was also stupid too. Cause I, I don't know. It just didn't make sense either. Yeah, it wasn't, I thought this was all kind of silly. The idea that someone walks around their place of work smashing things with a baseball bat, right? With no repercussions. Right, and then why is that her new thing too? Like that she's just smashing stuff. I I was wondering how long we could go without toxic attraction on the screen. And the answer was just over 20 minutes. Just one match. And at least the the segment was really short. So I don't know. I mean, I didn't enjoy the interaction. Oh, I assure you, they will return. Oh, they will. You know you're getting at least two segments with them every week. Yep. Uh, Cameron Grimes comes to the green, the ring with his short hair and tidier beard now, so he's yeah. sort of... He looks so weird. Like, not only... I think his hair looks kind of off, and then just the short beard, just... It's not Cameron Grimes. He's definitely cleaned up. Uh, so he's crying, basically, right away here, and he talks about people pushing him around and telling him he wasn't good enough his whole life, but he showed all those people that Cameron Grimes holds it down. He made it in this industry and struck it rich... But he kept his hair and beard to I'm sorry, remind... I'm sorry, but the hold it down thing sounds like a sex joke or something. Really? I don't know. It just sounds like it could be. I don't think so. Uh, maybe if Chris Jericho said it. Maybe. But he kept the hair and beard to remind himself of his humble beginnings, to remind himself of when he had nothing. Um, Duke Hudson took that all away and embarrassed Cameron Grimes, but Hudson made a mistake and made Grimes angry. He's done talking, and now he calls Hudson out to the ring. Hudson doesn't come to the ring, but he appears on the screen up at the top of the ramp. He jokes about Grimes getting a free haircut in addition to getting some money from Hudson last week. He goes on to say that he made Grimes look less like a troll. Grimes tells Hudson to be a man and come out to the ring. Hudson refuses and says, sorry, not sorry. Grimes says that all Hudson has proved to the crowd is that he's gutless and nutless, and Grimes challenges Hudson to go all in in a hair versus hair match at NXT War Games. It feels so weird saying NXT War Games, you know? It does. I like that I don't have to say TakeOver. I would have been annoyed if they included TakeOver. No, I I am happy, yeah, that they didn't... They're smart enough to know this. ...tarnish this name, but like... Exactly. That brand is worth something. But I don't... It's just weird to say, at least. It is. Hudson accepts the match and shows that he has Grimes' hair clippings in a Ziploc bag Like a weirdo. Which is a little bit strange. Okay, so what did you think of this? Uh huh. Uh, this was lame. Grimes looks way worse with his longer beard, and his hair looks a little off too. Just doesn't look like him. This feels like another way to change him from what he looked like pre NXT 2.0. Just like it's small because it's just one person, but it's like another, another way to like get rid of what NXT yeah. like was, right? Um, and after I heard some of Duke's lines, this feels like we're going back to whole like Cameron Grimes is a messy hillbilly, so he's yep. ugly, and Duke right. Hudson is a big muscular guy who is handsome. Yep. Um, and it's just like another dumb idea that we've moved on from long ago, like many things on the show, and it, sh- it was just stupid. It's a throwback, brother. Yeah. Oh, brother. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so I did like a part of this. I really thought Grimes, again, he's c- super committed to this. Like, the man is out there crying right away. So 
I think the way the choice he made to make his hair and beard into a symbol of his humble beginnings, right? Like that was really well done. Cause this guy just randomly cut his hair and we're like, who cares? But Grimes made it like make sense, right? Like I don't know. That felt I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like that also felt like a little random. I think where else can you go though? Like yeah, where yeah. else is better than No, that? they did a good job at least trying to cover yeah, it. Yeah, like it, that these are a symbol of like his humble beginnings and whatnot. But the story seems like out of sequence to me, right? Shouldn't Grimes have established the significance of this before? Like maybe if you he reverse those have two re- things, re- he maybe wouldn't have a reason to, because like he'd be like, my beard is. But maybe it's Hudson's making fun of his appearance yeah, first, yeah. right? Yeah. So I feel like they're doing it backwards. Like Hudson insults his appearance. Grimes explains why he has that appearance and how it's important to him. Hudson takes that appearance away from him, and it makes sense to us, right? Doesn't that seem like the logical progression of this story? Yeah. It's like they just took things out of sequence to me. Um. So then. Like, was Hudson just innately aware that the hair was so important to Grimes? You know what I mean? Like, then you or make Or maybe it... he wants to make him look nice. And then you make a hair versus hair match after one of the competitors has already had his hair cut? I mean, I guess then he would be bald now. So, uh, but we've already seen that happen, right? So it's not yeah. like, I don't know, you're not building any anticipation of Grimes getting his hair and beard cut because it's already anyways because it won't happen so I, I liked Grimes commitment to this and his rationale but I thought the rest of this was just like completely out of order uh, we then get Pete Dunn and he tells us he has waited too long to hold a title in NXT I agree that is a very good he should have won it on the first show he will put Gargano out and send him packing maybe a reference to the contract coming up <laughs> And he will make Carmelo Hayes pay his dues. Tonight, the baddest man in NXT becomes North American champion. Even though he is from the UK. But that does not matter. He does needs the title. Um, I thought it was a solo promo. He better win or I will actually quit because this show stinks. Not just this one. In general, it sucks. Yeah, this was a nice, I thought, quick, like, intense promo from Pete Dunne, who, again... Um, can talk now. It can talk now. Like It's been a while now, but we say it every time. That was not his strength at one point in right. his career, and now he's really good. And the match itself should be good, right? Mackenzie is then talking to Persia and Indy Hartwell. Mackenzie asks for an update on Dexter Loomis. Hartwell reveals that Loomis will be out for one n- month with a hand injury after it got stomped in the chair. Hartwell says what makes it worse is that Loomis's Loomis values his hands because he is an artist. Oh my god. Persia offers to wrestle the next tag team match by herself again, like she did last week, so that Hartwell can cool down backstage. Hartwell this time says she's okay to wrestle this week, and she's going to win the match in dedication to her injured husband. Wait, but she has to be there for her man. So it will be Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada after the break, taken on Cassie, Cassie? Casey Catanzaro okay. and Caden Carter. Cassie Lee. Uh, thoughts on this? Um... I, this wasn't great, even though it was really a short. The Loomis hand injury is obviously fake, but I just don't care about it. Indy saying Gargano will win tonight is insane, because he already held the title three times, which is too many times. And Parada saying she could do it by herself again doesn't exactly build up Carter Cart and Kenzaro. Like, yeah. I don't like them either, but, like, I mean, for the sake of not making them look stupid. Right. Pre-match. I, uh, honestly, I couldn't muster up any opinion on this. I was just like, fine, I have no feelings about this segment. Like, I just... It's like we try to, it gets too hard to manufacture some strong opinion on some of this stuff because I just don't care. And that's part of why we're thinking about abandoning this, right? It's just right. hard to muster any sort of caring enough to think about it too deeply. But anyways, then we get a new vignette from a yet another character that's arriving. So we are going to get Tiffany Stratton. 
uh, a vignette from her. I've never heard of her. I'm not sure who it is or anything. But the bottom line is she is rich. She's entitled. She plays tennis. Uh, she tells us she wasn't born with a silver spoon in her mouth because silver isn't good enough for her or something along those lines. I didn't quite get it exactly. Um, so I don't love this right off the bat. I mean, I guess it's possible that they could do something with it down the road, but right now it really looks like another very one-dimensional, over-the-top character. Like we talk about it, NXT 2.0 is all about you have one defining characteristic, right? You are mean girls. You are a poker player. You are a millionaire hillbilly. Um, so you are like beer drinking tough guys. So everybody gets one overdeveloped characteristic. And for, oh, thank you. Frosty just showed up here. And for Tiffany Stratton, at least at this point, she is the... Oh, she was all time. She is wealthy, entitled girl, right? And that's it. Yeah, it... I agree. Um, so great, we get another basic and stupid gimmick. This time we have the country club tennis rich girl, who had her daddy pay for everything, essentially a trust fund baby or something like that. Uh, perfect. And is t I feel like is Tiffany not like a stereotypical name for this kind of person? Like I feel like among yeah, the names probably. you could pick for this kind of character, it feels like one of the first things that would have popped it's like into their head. Rich stereotypical. And Stratton right. too, the whole pack. And I right. can't wait to see her r stupid ring gear. Like, um, you know, how Tony D'Angelo has dumb ring gear that's yeah. supposed to fit into his character. I'm thinking hers will either be like a white tennis outfit with like the skirt, like in the video, or like maybe some private school looking thing. Because there's no way she gets a normal ring gear with nope. a gimmick like this. I have zero faith that they'll pull this off, right? So I assume it'll be terrible. That's yep. where they've got me at this point. <laughs> I'm the optimistic one of this partnership, and you have to I think it's terrible until proven otherwise, rather correct. than the other way around. At this around. point, the evidence is overwhelming. Uh, so we get the match, Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada taking on Ka Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter, who are now the, what, car the concert girls? Ravers. Good, good time raver girls, yep. whatever. As, oh my god, their entrance is so dumb. It's like, um, they when they like get in the ring. smoke cannons or something? Yeah, they have like smoke cans, right? And then they're handing out the bracelets. And then when they get in the ring, first of all, Catanzaro doesn't even that cool, do doesn't even do the cool uh, post-climb anymore. And then oh, now right. in the ring, like, Catanzaro will be laying on the mat, she'll be like doing some weird dancing from the ground and then like um uh carter will be like shaking back and forth with like and she's got like the bracelets on her waist so those are like shaking it's, it's so i did stupid. not even notice this but I yeah know. they're kind of i could see in certain maybe not because i feel like they control some of their crowd i could see a crowd turning on these two right because it's like you're not entertaining and fun there's no depth to this and you're cramming it down our throats how fun you are and you're not really that fun but anyways so they have their smoke guns or whatever during their entrance. Carter. Yeah, out... I don't think that was present uh, the first time we saw this. I don't think so. Carter outquicks Parada early on, but eventually gets run over by a shoulder tackle. Indy is, like, cartoonish in this, right? Distracted is what she is asked to sell here. So she's uh, not really paying attention. She's staring at her wedding ring repeatedly, just like over-the-top cartoon sports entertainment crap right, that like, I have no interest. Right, has to stare at her hand the whole time. And makes this all basically pointless. But anyways, Caden yeah. Carter gets control here. Uh, she flips Catanzaro over her shoulder and on to Hartwell at one point. We get weak strikes and kicks by Catanzaro before Parada drops her face first on the top turnbuckle. The heels then isolate Catanzaro for a while. And a little bit later, Persia needs a tag. But of course, Indy's looking at her wedding ring, doesn't make the tag. We... Uh, Indy does finally come in, hits a sidewalk slam, but then uh, takes a moment to look at her ring some more, groan. Because she didn't go, like, she didn't look at it for, like, 30 seconds. And then I forget exactly what happened, but we end up with the assisted splash, and Carter and Cat and Zero win 
in three and a half minutes. I would just like to say that was a sucky finisher. It wasn't great. Uh, what about the match as a whole? Uh, this was not good. It was very short. There's no interesting action in the ring. Indy Harwell constantly looking at her hand was so stupid and dumb because she can't even focus on the damn match for a minute or in this case, the whole match. Ha <laughs> ha. Short match, NXT joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardi Kanzaro's finisher was dumb and their entire stick sucks too. Yeah, it wasn't good, this match. And to be fair, it wasn't really about the match. It was more about the storyline within it. Again, that feels like I'm watching a cartoon, right? This is not how adults behave. This is not how grown human beings behave. They don't... It's like they... It's, it's again, WWE's assuming that the audience is stupid. We can't just have her looking distracted and maybe a little bit delayed on tagging and things. She has to, like overtly stare at her finger with this ring repeatedly right because you guys are idiots and you might not pick up on it if we do it subtly so we got to smash you over the head with it because you're not very it's got to completely affect her match performance right Right. we have to demonstrate this so clearly really bad the index ship has sailed for me i want something new for both of them at this point and commentary telling us constantly about how upset and distracted india's is also annoying because that's again you people watching this aren't very smart, so we need to tell you and show you overtly, right? So that you, we can't leave you to figure out anything for yourselves because right. you might not get it. Mm-hmm. And everything's a love storyline, so it's very important. Anyways, we get a really quick um, Escobar vignette ahead of his match that's coming up. And then we get good old Andre Chase and his students are walking backstage now. They're out of their classroom, I think, for the first time, right? Um, I think so, yeah. Backstage, they run into Cameron Grimes. Chase warns Grimes about making decisions out of frustration, and Grimes tells Chase to go to hell pretty much immediately. And that was basically it, right? I don't know. What did you do? You have any thoughts on this? As I eat some of this frosty before I, it melts, it, it was fine. I don't know. I there wasn't really much to this, and I I, I don't know. I feel like some of the students there, that's just like their pre-wrestling exposure. Yeah, that one blonde guy, you can tell they're going to use him, right? He was the last guy to sort of stand up for Chase in the classroom. I forget what his name was. Uh, but he clearly I looks like he's in training, yeah. right? Um, so I'm at the time, I figure this is Grimes' opponent ahead of the Hudson match, right, for him to pick up a win because we know Chase isn't beating anyone ever at this point. And I thought, yes, that the, the blonde guy is clearly a wrestler and... Um, this was short and nothing of consequence, really. I guess just setting up a warm-up match is what I thought for Grimes. We then get Santos Escobar making his return, I guess, in the ring here, taking on Malik Blade. Is it Malik or Malik? They call him Malik, but I go with Malik because that sounds better. I don't know. Uh, so Blade managed to take down Escobar with a drop kick early on, but Escobar comes back with a roundhouse kick, a couple of them, I think, and a PK to the back of Blade. Blade gets a two count off a sunset flip, but Escobar comes back with more strikes and an exploder suplex. Escobar hits Blade with a Meteora and a Phantom Driver for the win in two and a half minutes. Electra Lopez speaks after the match and says that Legato offered Zion Quinn the offer of a lifetime and Quinn said no. Electra then says they never needed Quinn anyway and that Legato is... Which is why they wanted him. Right, is stronger than ever with their leader back. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner come out to say that they want the tag titles just like Legato does. Von Wagner says that his foot was on the rope in their last match, which I think it was probably, right? His matches are so memorable, I struggle to remember what happened. But 
Um, then Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner, they're up in the balcony, I guess, basically. And Bartel mocks the crowd for not knowing a second language and says everyone on the floor is acting like children and neither one of them uh, of the teams will be able to topple the standard bearers of the tag division. Eichner proposed the two other teams wrestle each other for a chance at Imperium at the War Games pay-per-view. Doesn't seem very healy to me to be like, we'd love to fight one of you, but you just need to figure out who it is. But anyways, what did you think of the match in the aftermath as you crushed um, some, some, some Frosty? It was a squash. I thought that match sucked. Von Wanger just sucks so hard. He just Hit, sucks. Everything he says is comedically awful at this point. <laughs> everything he says is stupid. Everything he does in the ring is boring. And he's going to make Kyle O'Reilly suck too. And gee, are the two teams looking to face Imperium, which one will face them? The experienced tag team of two cruiserweights or the fresh and thrown together team of Kyle O'Reilly and a big boarding plank of wood? Yeah, he is. He has I one wonder. of the worst deliveries of lines that I've heard in a really long. And I get this is developmental and whatever, but he's bad. You're putting him on national TV every week talking. I'm gonna tell you he's really, really bad. Right. Not that he can't get good or whatever, but right now he's off. He's Considering awful. he already made an appearance on SmackDown, that's just stupid. I think this was obviously just a simple squash to get Escobar back in action, and to get that to the story that followed. Right, the aftermath, I guess, was fine. It sets up a number one contenders match and a title match down the line. So I guess the segment was productive, if nothing else. But I want to ask you, were, do you think there's a world where Escobar could be turning on this group? Because like he's gone for a few weeks, and they seem to try and replace him, right, with Zion Quinn. Is that ever going to come back around? Probably not. Nope. I mean, I'm asking them nope. to be logical. It's NXT. Nope. But it don't you not. feel like it's a bit weird that he's it's possible. away, they're recruiting somebody new, now he's back, and they're like, oh, we don't need anybody new. Yeah. So maybe. I wonder if he could use it. if it were AEW, I'd say they'll come back to that in six weeks. They will right? not. They will ignore it. And you also they think you're stupid. They'll either ignore it, or they'll go to him breaking up and getting back together within the next like week, right? Yep. Like they'll run the full gamut in a week, oh or they'll God, never go like, back to it. I remember like the Shield reunited in 2017 and it was cool, and they reunited in 2018, and then they reunited right. in 2019. Go then, back to and that then, well. And then Moxie was gone. Yeah. Um. So Zoe and Io are trying to talk to Cora Jade, but Raquel Gonzalez shows up and starts bickering with uh, Io and Zoe. Jade interrupts and says that the whole can they coexist thing is boring, which she's very right. Ooh. And it's interesting that they've started calling out some of their own tropes on these shows. So She says that their team needs to find a fourth member. Uh, Cora Jade leaves. The other three sort of acknowledge that they do need to, in fact find a fourth. So I think they that's sort good. Of, I'm like, yeah, we need to find a fourth. Well, they no, their, duh. They curb their bickering. Uh, what did you think? Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I titled the segment Babyface War Games Team Argues. Um, I kind of like Jade's line as it felt like a dig at Survivor Series. Whether it's intended or not, knowing them, I'm not sure if they would, like, um, if they would want to take a slight at their own stuff. They right. don't, it doesn't seem like them. Yeah. Um, I liked Jade acknowledging the reluctant partners trope that's in wrestling everywhere. I was going to see WWE, but they're not the only ones guilty of that, right? And sometimes it works, too. It's just that it it seems like we're in, like, this hot streak of everybody doing it. But, again, like, maybe I'm nitpicking or whatever, but why is it this 20-year-old rookie has more wisdom than the veterans again, right? Like, I talk about Kyle O'Reilly. It seems like he's the protege of... What's his face? Especially Von you, Shirai. Like, I mean, sure, Raquel's a veteran compared to the new school, but, like, she's 
still relatively new. Like, she debuted, right. I think, um, early 2020. They're not 2020, 20, you know what I mean? Right? So, right. And, like, Io Shirai's been wrestling for a while, I know, like, at least in Japan and whatnot, so, like... But I'm, it's like all the veterans are dumb, and they need the wisdom of some young person to help them. Who can't actually speak Which is, board. like, we're appealing to that young crowd, right? See, look, young people, wise, right? It's not just old people, but anyways. Uh, Mackenzie then talks to Tony D'Angelo. Um... She asks about his thoughts on the triple threat main event. D'Angelo says some stereotypical stuff, right? Forget about it and whatever else. Forget about it. It's hard to listen to. He talks about gambling, which didn't make sense to me at the time, but I think it's going to come back around, obviously, in the main event. And he says he knows people about making bets and things, and that Mackenzie can make bets uh, if she wants to make a bet on anything. He can sort of talk to her. Ultimately, D'Angelo says he picks Carmelo Hayes to win. So Gam, he knows people you can bet on, and he picks Carmelo to win, foreshadowing some stuff, right? What did you think of this? And don't forget to forget about forget it. Forget about it. Oh, he, he does like the hand gesture. Of course like the, he does. This thingy. I hate it. Oh, this is stupid. Not only was it stupid, it was also stereotypical and irritating, and he was dissing my boy B. Dunn the whole time. Not cool. Right. Not cool. He can be as annoying all he wants, but if he's going to diss Pete Dunn while doing it, that's just, that's not cool. That's crossing the line. And I'm getting the feeling this is Dunn's next feud. This is not giving me confidence he will win, or he feuds with D'Angelo over the title. Either way, this doesn't Oof. look good. Because either way, Dunn has, is involved with Tony D'Angelo. That is just incredibly sad. And that means most likely Dunn will not be healed anymore because Tony D'Angelo most likely has to be the heel. So now Dunn has to be a babyface again, which I'm he's good at both. I'm not convinced. He, he's good at both, but like... I think D'Angelo, like, I think the crowd likes this guy. I just remember that is that sounds right. Okay, that's good because and when I say crowd, maybe it's the plants they put in there. No, he seems when he's like he's coming in, he's going like forget about it. He's like come on or something like that. Um, like he he does seem. I I know you're saying he does seem to get like a pretty uh, strong reaction at least, right? So uh, that's not good. And I don't. I just this sucks for Pete Dunne. Yeah, this was as bad as this guy is every week. He's a joke and not in a way that's funny. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. It's not something that needs to be on TV in this day and age, but at least it was super short to be positive. Yep, that's only positive. We then go to non-title match number two tonight, and that is Mandy Rose taking on Cora Jade. And we get forearms early from Cora Jade as commentary. Talk about her being wise beyond her years, right? So they picked up on the thread that I was pulling there. It's basically a wrestler who can't wrestle versus a skater who can't skate. (laughs) We get a leg lariat by Jade, but a spine buster by Mandy. Suplex by Rose for two, then a neck vice. We get the Rose signature body scissors. Yawn, right? Like it's just a, I guess it's a rest hold, but... When matches are three or four minutes, do we need rest holds? I guess it's supposed to, at least she has powerful legs, right? Sure. It's a boring thing to watch. But it seems like something like, uh, like, ooh, look at her legs. Like, Maybe. To, like yeah, something. to accentuate the legs. <laughs> Clothesline, back elbow, and a hurricane rana by Jade, and a little flurry there. Then a high knee in the corner by Cora Jade. Mandy Rose avoids a missile drop kick. Kaylee Ray walks out with the bat, hits the ring post, and some stuff at ringside. And then Kaylee Ray throws the bat in the ring. It distracts Mandy Rose, and Jade gets the roll-up here for the win in about four minutes. Talk about it. Go ahead. I'll have some Frosty. Um, A short match where nothing happens except a stupid finish, and poor Kaylee Ray is involved now. Yay! Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, the match wasn't great, obviously, but again, it was more about the aftermath than the match. A recurring theme sort of on this show as well. I hate that Kaylee Ray, it seems to me at this point, before it goes any further in the show, it was my thoughts at the time, 
that she's just going to be used as a credible opponent for Mandy Rose, right? For Mandy Rose to pick up a win and further establish her the title reign. The fact that Mandy Rose is champion of NXT still makes me sad. Which is not how Kaylee Ray. I keep telling everyone she's awesome. She hasn't gotten a chance to show it on NXT at all. She's awesome. That is, um, yep, that's true. But for now, I guess she, she'll be the fourth for War Games or something. We'll see later on. She deserves better than being an add-on to a match, if that's where this is going. Carmelo Hayes then talks about the disrespect that should have stopped last week. He puts himself over and how much he's accomplished in a short time in NXT. Um, he says Hayes is keeping them relevant, and they chase him since he's the A champion and is what he says he is. And tonight, he'll shoot and not miss. Thoughts on a brief Carmelo Hayes promo? Shouldn't he not say that he, tonight he'll shoot and won't miss? Because doesn't he say he mellow don't miss? Mm-hmm. He, I, and for me, like speaking up, he's got to stop repeating the same lines over and over. It's getting old real quick. Turk didn't say much, but he still sucked. Yeah, I like Hayes' promo here. He has really good confidence and swagger. He is a bit of a catchphrase machine, but I bet you that's like a shortcut to the main roster if you have a whole bunch of catchphrases. Uh, Trick, was, Trick was basically silent here, right? So I like that part of it. We then cut to Joe Gacy. He's cutting a promo about how he's going to open the eyes of the blind. And then the segment ends with Harlan's hand showing up, patting Gacy on the shoulder. His match with LA Knight is next. Or is it? So I don't know. This was just a very couple seconds long. Yeah, it was fine, but it was super short. Nothing. New. I don't know. His promo just, it, his, he doesn't really do anything for me. I don't love I, I, it. Some of his stuff's okay. And they're really dragging out the debut of Harlan, right? And I hope he's worth it. It's almost too long. They're, he has to be hopefully decent or else it's like, really? We waited a month right. for this, right? Right. But I guess we'll find out. Kaylee Ray then meets up with Io Shirai, Zoe Stark, Cora Jade, and Raquel Gonzalez conveniently backstage and basically agrees to join their team. She then even offers to wrestle in the match for the advantage in the War Games. Uh, so she volunteers for that match next week. And I don't know, I just thought this was fairly obvious. The War Game match definitely could use some more experience, right? Because like last week I was talking about it, I'm not really joking. It's borderline irresponsible to put some of these women in this match right, because so they're not and not because be... they're women because they don't they don't have any experience it's supposed to be wrestling versus Dakota Kai next week so that's right. good but I will not watch it because it's classic like you need to learn to crawl before you can walk or run right they're basically asking some of these women to run before they run a freaking like marathon long. or something so I, I don't know what's going to happen here but um like the question is can like any of the opponents in war games hang with EO and Kaylee Ray we'll find out I guess and maybe make that match entertaining. I don't know. Uh, LA Knight's making his entrance for his match against Joe Gacy. But he is attacked on the ramp by Grayson Waller. Because this is just now like the most bitter feud ever. All of a sudden. And they're brawling as people try to break them up. So Joe Gacy's already in the ring sitting in a I chair. Mean, not to get too ahead of myself. I think this could be like the second coming of Gargano Champa. Oh, for sure. He says he wants to teach Knight how to resolve his conflicts peacefully. But that was not to be tonight. So Malk and Bivens and Diamond Mine come out. And Bivens speaks, obviously, for the group. He says Gacy tried to steal the spotlight from Diamond Mine last week. But now they want to steal it from him. He tells Gacy to clear the ring so Ivy Nile can have her match. Gacy said he respects that Nile has the right to have a match. But he doesn't respect NXT Cruiserweight champion Roderick Strong in a sharp left turn here, right? I don't know. Gacy says that Strong's name itself invokes toxic masculinity, which is actually a pretty funny line. Kind of funny, yeah. Me too. 
the and I like this too. The cruiserweight division promotes weight shaming, and the concept of a cruiserweight division is meant to divide, which is also like for somebody That's playing both not true and true at the same time. Right, and for someone playing an overwoke character, right, like it makes sense. You're dividing us based on our weight. And anything that's that's like exclusion, basically, right? You're saying certain people can't wrestle for this belt. And so that's kind of funny to me, too. Uh, and that the whole idea that it's also weight shaming, like, I kind of like this. I'm not going to lie. Roderick Strong speaks, which is never a good decision. And he wants to embarrass Joe Gacy. Biven says that he is going to get Strong versus Gacy added to War Games. Sure, I guess. Why not, right? There's no general manager. Uh, Bivens then tells the Creed brothers to take out the trash in Joe Gacy. Harlan then shows up out of nowhere, kind of, I think it was, shows up he is one big Gacy. man, okay? He and is. they are, like, three people, two of which are also kind of big. Right. But he's one large person, so. He is very large. Um, Bivens tells the Creeds to back down as Gacy's theme plays to end the segment. What did you think? Um, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I mean, I guess I'm glad we didn't get another match, but... I don't know. Uh, this is lame. I think overall, uh, Gacy didn't do much for me. I mean, I don't believe he qualifies for the cruiserweight title. And I saw on their on their Instagram story asking if the title should be more inclusive, which I think is kind of weird. Yeah. Although, um, we were talking, you could say it could shift into an open weight title, yep. which I don't mind the concept of, but I don't. I don't know. I kind of like having a cruiserweight title. I could. I am so. I imagine that Gacy wins the title and he does rename it something, right? And says that it's no longer e- exclusive. It inc- it's inclusive of everybody. A non-cruiserweight wins the cruiserweight title. And, and it also it fits it. the get the titles off the old guys and just turn the keys over to the kids and see what happens, <laughs> right? So, so I I did kind of like this, right? The idea for his character, this makes sense for him to say it's dividing people and weight shaming people. So I thought for an overwoke character, that's heel character specifically. It's pretty funny. Um, but are Diamond Mine baby faces now? Um, I was a little confused eh, by that. Eh, um, but somewhat entertaining. Maybe as they're well. slightly more likable. And Gacy and Strong could have a good match because again, Gacy's a guy that is not new to wrestling. He's new to WWE, but he's been wrestling quite a while. So they could have a good match if they're given time. And I'm also happy that. This... Wait, you think they'll be given time? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's I at least it is on pay-per-views. Okay, so that's a little different. And the good news is Roddy Strong has taken a step back from Odyssey Jones here, right? Which I like oh, as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't love Gacy in here either because, I mean, he's Oh my not god, I just weight, realized but... what's happening. What? Gacy's transitional champion to Odyssey Jones. Oh. As soon as it's there's no more weight limit, boom, boom, here comes 400-pound Odyssey Jones. <sighs> is that not what's happening? That is definitely what's happening <laughs> well it um, is what's happening i'm uh, sure that's dumb i just thought of that now but anyways that's where we're going right gets gacy the champ a title and then he anyways who cares yeah so msk are in a car together looking for the shaman <sighs> i need to sigh here sorry lee asks carter to slow down a police car pulls up behind them with lights and sirens on msk argue about what to do with their bag of drugs as the officer approaches the car but they'll never say the word drugs because NXT 2.0 is super edgy, right? It turns out that MSK were going too slow, right? Which is a pro- oh. which is a stereotype. Oh, of I like- remember that reminds me of um, I remember the Goldbergs. Um, I think Pops, uh, the grandpa, he's driving to like break Erica because um, it's that episode where sh- she's trying to live without uh her mom and then so uh her and her friend get arrested right for get scalping tickets yeah and so they they uh, she calls her grandpa obviously because she doesn't want, and then he's driving 
and so the cop uh, tells him to pull over, and he doesn't have a license. And he's like, "And do you know what um, uh, speed you're going is like um, fifty, and then the officer's like three, and he's like fifty three. <laughs> no, right? yeah. So this is a- another reference to like if you're really really high, you drive super slow. So it, that's I thought the, it was just you drive recklessly. That's the joke they're getting. Or is that into. that's drunk driving? That's more drunk driving. Yeah. So this is like been in a movie, several movies. Uh, Super Troopers for one, I think, was one of them. But anyways, it's been. This is a joke that is not new. So they're asked to get out of the car, and things are getting dramatic. Like it looks like MSK is gonna get caught. Either, uh, I mean, I guess we're making a joke out of a DUI here, which is kind of an interesting choice, but... Oh, consider- like, the, the Usos have done right. that upon Jeff Hardy, I think, maybe, possibly? So they get out of the car, the officers ask to see what's in the bag, and MSK, of course, are getting nervous. I think even the music, like, picks up, and it's getting super they, dramatic. they have to have music in the background. So they're about to open up the bag and probably reveal their stash, but a speeding car flies by, so the cops have to leave to go and deal with that. Not like they can get other cops. So this was the opening segment of Super Troopers, basically a movie that I've seen a million times. But anyways, the segment ends with Beth wondering, what's in the bag? In case you guys didn't notice <laughs> that the bag is the key object of interest here, I'm going to club you over the head with it. Because you're stupid. And you might not pick up on it. What would you think of this? This is stupid. These guys are in a, I've really slowed down the car. They're now, they went from champs to absolutely nothing. Yep, this is like, aren't we so edgy? We're trying really, really hard. It wasn't even There's edgy. talk of going 14A, everything's about sex and drugs, aren't we hip and cool, right? But it's not. It's not even interesting. Uh, so I'm not on board yeah, with this it's segment. boring. Any of these MSK segments. Yeah, these have all been big misses. Just nothing, like nothing. Anyways, we then get Ivy Nile taking on Yulisa Leon, I think was the name, or Leon, I don't know. I don't care. Um, so Yulisa avoids Niall early on with a sort of like a judo roll. Niall comes back with a trip and then does push-ups on the back of Leon. Niall takes her down with a hard rebound lariat I thought looked okay. An overhead throw into a head scissors and a leg choke by Niall. Um, and then Yulisa finally escapes the hold with a cartwheel. Niall quickly rolls through a roll-up attempt, transitions into a dragon sleeper for the win in under... Three minutes? Ding, ding, ding. Correct. <gasps> How did you know? Uh, lucky guess. What'd you think? Um, I don't know. It was, it was a short squash. It was whatever. Her finisher is better this week than that boring torture act, but it didn't look to be applied too strong. It's like that dragon sleeper with the, her hands behind her back. Yeah. I remember Alistair Black did that a bit. He did that way better. Yeah. I think Niall has a really cool look, right? Like, she's short, but she is ripped and looks super strong. And I think that she's coming across a bit better than a lot of the new talent. They're not asking her to do a lot, and she can actually do a couple things. So of some of like the new recruits, I think she's looked pretty decent so far, and they're not asking her to speak or anything, which is probably a good idea at this point, too. So I think she looks okay, and I think her actual look is really cool, right? She looks very unique, so I think there's a potential for her. We then get a solo Sokoa video package where he talks about how he grew up with the down since day one guys, eh? Making a reference there. Ooh. But that they left him to fend on his own. Remember, we asked that. Like, are we to believe that the family just... Rikishi and everybody else just abandoned him, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anyways, he talks about how all will bow down before the street champion of the islands, Solo Sokoa. Eh. At least it's not comedy. That's what I. That's yeah, my really I only it, comments. Yeah, it was fine. I, I find it hard to believe that they just abandoned Silicoa. Right, but... and it was his first sort of reference to them. A little bit subtle there, but yeah, for me, it's just like, hey, it's a non-comedy gimmick on a show that's pretty much full of them. So I'm not even sure I like this guy, but I appreciate that he's not 
trying to be funny, right? Um, Zach Gibson and James Drake, speaking of trying to be funny, are shown randomly trying to steal a guy's wallet. I guess it was backstage. As then in, we see uh, Grayson Waller and LA Knight are still brawling as they sort of brawl into frame as referee, referees are trying to separate them. Then we get Boa, who's sitting on Mei Ying's throne. Basically, he reveals that Mei Ying has passed on and passed her spirit to him, and he cannot control it yet. But once he learns to control it, all will fear Boa. And then suddenly his face has the face paint on it, and he exhales some vapor to end the segment. What did you think? Uh, it just confirms Tian Cha's gone. I think the whole he can't control it thing is kind of dumb. The Mei Ying thing is gone, yes. Yeah, I don't She's know. Gone. I don't really care. I thought this was kind of looks cool, but I'm not a big fan of the whole, like, he's been possessed by the spirit of Mei Ying. I guess I'm a little bit intrigued to see where they go with it. I just wish I liked Boa better in the ring, right? Like, if, if he had been impressing me in the ring and they were trying to give him a character and get him on TV, that's fine. But his matches have just been, like, kick, 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 you know what I mean, pretty much. But uh, I don't know. We'll see where this goes, I guess. Grizzled Young Veterans. James Drake and Zach Gibson taking on the team of Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen with Brooks Jensen in his homemade t-shirt that makes him look ridiculous. EJ. I wonder if they sell these on. They better not be like trying to sell those. That'd be funny. They might be. I don't know. Um, Jensen gets control of Drake right away and he and Briggs hit a double shoulder tackle. We get a lame double team punch thing to Drake in the ropes. Remember they go through all the pageantry of like sliding out to the... It's kind of like Dustin Rhodes thing, I guess, and the, but it's two of them doing it. I thought it was kind of uh, silly. I don't, I don't. Drake then uh-huh. runs away from Jensen and Gibson, or sorry, from Jensen, and Gibson makes a blind tag to get control of Jensen for a bit here. We get a short arm clothesline and a headlock by Gibson. Then it goes to a split screen because this match is so important that we need to see evidence that LA Knight and Grayson Waller are still fighting backstage. We then get a belly to back by Jensen to break a headlock. But Jensen can't make the tag, and Drake takes over for the veterans. We get a backdrop by Jensen. He finally tags in Briggs, who cleans house, hits a side slam, and a splash to James Drake. Uh, Drake then fakes a tweak knee in the corner, and Gibson gets ready to interfere. But Briggs knocks him down off the ropes to stop that attempt. Jensen and Briggs hit their high-low, like, total elimination-style finisher for the win. How dare you? That is on the speed air. In four and a half minutes. Yeah, jabbing up my boys right? in less than five minutes. Yep, 100%. Woo! Uh, a three-minute enhancement match with nothing of note, and of course Briggs and Jensen had to go over. This was dumb. Yeah, poor Grizzled Young Veterans, man. A really quality tag team that's been made to look really foolish in like the past probably month, I would say, with ridiculous vignettes, and now they have to lose clean to a rookie team in four minutes. I really felt bad for James Drake as he looked incredibly weak just being dominated by Jensen and then running away from the other team, literally. And that's fine if they're ever going to get sort of some control of the match, right? But they really didn't. So they just, the veterans looked like a joke through no fault of their own, and I pretty much hated this match. Yeah, it was stupid. Commentary team run down the War Games matches, which I will do here quickly. Duke Hudson versus Cameron Grimes in a hair versus hair match. Roderick Strong versus Joe Gacy for the Cruiserweight Championship with the weight limit waived and the women's war game match. And also we're getting Kaylee Ray Dakota Kai next week to figure out who gets the advantage in war games. We then move to our main event, which both of us were looking forward to at least. It is Johnny Gargano taking on Pete Dunne, taking on Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship. So right away, Dunn is thrown out of the ring to start, and Gargano gets control of Carmelo Hayes. 
So then Dunn runs over Hayes and uh, and Gargano as they both go for some holds and counters until Hayes takes them both out with clotheslines. We get a spot I didn't really like where um, Dunn puts both men in half crabs at the same time after an ankle lock at the same time. Yeah, I don't really um, love the submission to two people at the same time. It works time. sometimes, but I feel like most of the time it's a miss. It's not my favorite. Springboard twisting clothesline by Hayes to Dunn and Gargano, who were engaged in a hold at the time. We get a bulldog clothesline combination by Gargano to both men. Satellite DDT by Gargano, who kicks Hayes in the process. As he's given the DDT to Dunn, he sort of swings around and kicks uh, Hayes in the face. Looked pretty good. Gargano suicide dives to each man on opposite sides of the ring, followed by a Hurricane Rana to Pete Dunn on the floor, heading us into a commercial break where we're promised picture in picture, but we don't get it again. Everyone is down after the break, and we see a replay of Hayes' springboard leg drop uh, during the commercial. Dunn targets Hayes' arms now with a flurry to both, but Gargano breaks it up. Slingshot spear by Gargano, and he counters the bitter end into a really nice-looking DDT. We get stereo kicks to Hayes' head, but he hits a code breaker to Dunn, then a front suplex to Dunn onto Gargano. Dunn with stomps for both, but Gargano hits a poison rana to Dunn and a clothesline to Hayes as things are sort of picking up here near the end. Gargano lawn darts Hayes into the second turnbuckle, and he kicks Trick Williams off the apron. Dunn hits the bitter end, but good old Tony D'Angelo, who I guess put money on this match and bet on Carmelo Hayes, he gets involved, he pulls Dunn out of the ring, which allows Carmelo Hayes to hit his top rope leg drop to the back of Gargano's head to win the match after 11 and a half minutes. So two minutes less than the opener, which is interesting. Uh, what did you think of this? This signals the death knell as far as Jack's concerned to NXT 2.0. Pete Dunn does not win the championship. Looks like we may be done talking about NXT 2.0, but talk about this match. No pun intended. No pun intended. <clears throat> no done uh, intended. Uh-huh. Uh, this was okay, but I feel like it wasn't great. Didn't, didn't live up to expectations because I don't think he got the time it needed. I did not like Tony D'Angelo's interference, and since Pete Dunne did not win, I quit. I'm going to stick to it this time. The show's been crap for weeks on end, months on end, True. actually, uh, since its uh, existence. And Dunne did not win, so I am done. The aftermath was, uh, I guess I'll talk to you. Are you going to mention that? Or I am going it? to, yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, this is bad. Um. So... I thought this was an entertaining, fast-paced match. I can't say I'm surprised by the result at all. I really don't see veterans getting title runs in NXT, and if they do, it'll just be to pass it off to another youngster, probably, because that's the focus of the show. It is truly just a developmental show, and I guess we're making the decision that we don't want to watch people learn on the job, right? And we don't enjoy it. We'll... Especially certain people. Some of them will become professionals and will probably be awesome in the future, and we'll watch them somewhere down the line but some of them named von wagner will sit and do nothing it's become clear what this show is i feel like we've given it more than enough time to prove what it is and it is just a bunch of people getting squash matches and trying to learn how to act on right in real time and it's not entertaining um the writing some of them are just not the writing's bad the execution's bad like and we're not getting wrestling at the end of the day like i need some wrestling and getting one match out of two hours is not going to keep me coming back, right? So even then, like it's, I get a few quality matches on AEW, which are like even like the worst match on AEW usually is better than the best match on NXT. The main event on AEW this week blew away anything on Survivor Series, as far as I'm concerned. I would say anything WWE put out this week. Right. So, anyways, after this, Wade Barrett is sort of wondering if Carmelo paid Tony D'Angelo to help him win the match. Grayson Waller and LA Knight bring their brawl out to ringside. And it 
There's a war games chant that breaks out. Again, I still I firmly believe there's plants in this crowd. Are I, we meant to believe that they've just been punching each other this the whole time? The whole show? time. They are very fit people. <laughs> uh, so just stamina on these guys. Trick William and Carmelo try to crush Gargano's hand in the chair like they did to Loomis last week, but Tommaso Ciampa runs in, cleans house, and the baby faces stand in the ring. Then all of a sudden... Well, the baby faces and Pete Dunne, okay. Sirens blare. Braun Breaker makes his entrance with the mic in his hand. He simply yells war games, and it looks like the uh, we get the NXT And then, and then we get a big fab brawl with yes. sirens blaring the entire time. With NXT 1.0 guys brawling with NXT 2.0 guys, and that's how the show ends. What'd you think of this final segment? Um, the aftermath was a flaming crap pile of mindless <laughs> brawling. This announcement of war games is not surprising, is not interesting, is not as cool without William Regal. Where the hell has William Regal been? The new school team is lame because D'Angelo and Breaker suck butt, and uh, Hayes and uh, who is it? Uh, Hayes, Breaker, D'Angelo. I'm missing one. Not Trick, is it? No. Okay. It's. Um, I don't know. This is how dialed in damn I am it. on this show. Ah, uh, um. So wait, Gargano's feuding with Hayes. Dunn is feuding with D'Angelo. Champ is feuding with. Oh, Waller. That's who it was. Di- okay, so Waller's good and he's good but the other two suck but and the old school team confused me because i have no idea why dunn or knight would want to team with diy because they knight... needed to fill a match on a pay-per-view right. man no. yeah even if knight's baby face i don't think he seems like the guy who wanted to team with them and dunn still doesn't he's a heel like he, right. he can work either way but he's better as a heel he, he doesn't seem like he would want to be here uh the whole concept of this war games match is stupid too is it's literally just new school versus old school which is dumb i'll check out war games but i'm done with the show yeah, this felt really random and lazy to me. It's just new guys versus veterans suddenly out of the blue, right? Seems to bring into question whether several of the competitors are heel or faces too, as they're kind of just smashing people together. Right. I think most of the the um, the new school people are heels. And this reminds me of the last days of WCW with the New Blood storyline that was legendary levels <gasps> of bad. Oh, right. foreshadowing. It feels a bit like that. Ooh. So final thoughts and a letter grade on this masterpiece. For the last time for a while That's at least. Disrespectful. Um, this is an okay show by NXT 2 page and with Sanders, it was. but the opener was salt because the opener salt in the main event wasn't a dumpster fire. Agreed. Other than those two matches, you had nothing redeemable. You had a bunch of quick, nothing two minute matches or whatever and stupid boring segments. Pete did not win the title. And I'm a man of my word. I quit. This is the show's stupid and I'm done with it. It has sucked from the beginning and forever drained the legacy of NXT into the ground and is dancing on the grave at this point. Even if we get one or, God forbid, two redeeming matches and or segments on the show, the bad massively overwhelms the good on a weekly basis. And, or even anything decent. And any wrestler I like will be misused or will have the brains to ditch. Yep. So I'm done. It. I guess I'll give it a D minus because it didn't completely suck. Right. I uh, intended on like a somewhat positive-ish note. Yeah, I um I really liked the opening match, I think, more than you did, and I liked the main event as well. The Cameron Grimes in-ring promo I liked. I thought he did a good job, and some of the Gacy stuff about the Cruiserweight title. There was less this week that was really, really bad, but it's still not much that was really good either, right? So due to the strength of two matches, I gave this show a C- this week, which is a great mark for NXT 2.0. But that's like a high mark for them, and that's the evidence that I need to that we don't need to keep doing this, right? Like a C minus is the best I can hope for, and being annoyed by still like half of the show is not good enough, right? Like I don't need to do that. There's enough options out there for us to find something else to talk about. So 
I gave it a C minus, maybe a bit generous. Still not a good show at all. Nothing anyone really needs to go out and see. I didn't think the main event was good. Um, but other than that. All right, so let's transition into some trivia. And what do we call that? Oh, yeah, off the top of his head. So I kept it simple this week. I'm going to ask you, because it's going to just reveal your memory. We're going into NXT War Games trivia, but really simply, can you name the competitors? And I think you can, but we'll I see. I can. From each of the six NXT War Games matches, and if there was an actual team name, I can use those as hints if you need it. So we're starting with TakeOver War Games 2017. Who competed and who won would be nice as well. Go ahead. All right, so it was Undisputed Era versus Roderick Strong and AOP versus Sanity. Uh, it was Adam Cole, Bobbert Fish, yep. Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, Akam Razar, Eric Young, Alexander Wolfe, and Killian Dane. Right. And Undisputed Era won. Right, so sorry, Alexander Wolf, Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Authors of Pain. Right? And then Roddy, and then the rest of Undisputed Era, like all of them. Right, but why, was it, isn't one team outnumbered? You're right. Roddy but... teams with AOP. Oh, I, oh, it was three teams, right, sorry. Because I'm looking at it thinking that one was all one team going, there's so many people in that one. Right, you are correct. Take over War Games 2018. Um, it was Ricochet, Pete Dunne, and the War Raiders, or yes. the Viking Raiders, yes. versus Undisputed Era and the Babyface T1. Which is who? Not Undisputed Era. Right. Uh, TakeOver War Games 2019. There were two matches. Right. Okay, so I'll start with the men's one, because I, I know that one. Yep. It was Champa, uh, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Kevin Owens Very versus good. Undisputed Era, and uh, the... Not Undisputed one. Correct. And then the female one yes. was Ripley. Yes. Uh, Candice LeRae. Yes. Uh, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Correct. Versus Rhea Ripley. E- Wait, no, sorry. Shayna Baszler. Yes. Io Shirai. Yes. Kaylee Ray and. Mm, Ooh. You uh, might have them. I just saw this too. Damn it. Um, Baszler, Shirai, Kaylee Ray. And I forgot about Kaylee Ray. It was someone good. Yep. Who's main roster now? I can tell oh, you that much. Bianca Belair. Correct. And who and won? The the Ripley's team, team won. Team Ripley. Yes. Team Ripley. Yeah, they won. And that was uh, Kai's heel turn actually. That's right. Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, final two, and then I have a bonus one. So twenty twenty, there were two matches as well, a men's and oh, a women's. I don't remember. The female one was Team Shotzi versus Team Candice. Which right? is who? Shotzi was it was her. Yep. Uh was it Ember Moon? Yep. Um Sorry. Uh um I don't know. Shotzi, Ember. Uh mm, Tegan Knox? Nope. One is still in NXT and one is EO? main roster. EO's correct and one's main roster. Uh Ripley? Yes, very and good. And then the heel team was Candace. Yep. Tony Storm. Yes. Uh Raquel yes. and Dakota. And winners were? Uh, Team Chassis. No. no, no, it was Team Raquel. I remember because yes. she powerbombed EO through that ladder. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And then the men's one was the Kings of NXT. Which or was? the brand, which is Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, uh, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan. Right. Versus Undisputed Era, which is Undisputed Era. And who won? And Undisputed Era won. All right. So, after losing two times. So because I thought you would know all most of those, I didn't, I, I didn't know if you'd know everyone. We had to find, because I like to end on a question you don't know. Right. So the bonus question, the final suck. question is, 
Can you tell me who the competitors were in WCW Nitro 2000, Russo's Revenge, the last War Games how before is that fair? NXT? It's War Games. How it's is, War Games trivia. How is that fair? For the W... So here's the key. This is interesting. Figure, wrap your head around this. So a War Games match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> How's this fair? Any idea? Russo? Uh, he is not in it, no. DDP? <laughs> no. Uh, Kevin Nash. Yes. So he's Jeff the Jarrett? captain of one team. Yes, Nash, Jeff Jarrett. Are the Harris brothers in it? Yes. Why okay. would you know that? Because so they were in NWO with the silver. You're only missing one person on that team. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart? No. Mm-hmm. He has a relative on, on NXT right now. He has a nephew on NXT right now. Rakai Shai? No. Uh. A nephew who is prominently placed on the show. Perhaps even the future of NXT, it looks oh. like. Rick Steiner? Other Scott one. Steiner. Scott Steiner. Took on, taking on... Nash? Right, I already said Nash. So it was Nash, Jarrett, Steiner, and the Harris brothers. Oh, They Nash defeated... Um, Booker T? Yes. Uh, Wait... Was it the Misfits in Action or no? No. Damn. It was a tag team of two big guys who aren't very good. Chronic? Yes. All right. Uh, a uh, singles guy who still shows up in WWE every now and then. Goldberg? Correct. And a, your favorite guy in AEW. Sting. Correct. So I think the way it worked is it was like um, they had to, it was the triple stacked ring. Oh no! And That's not to, war games. They had to get up and retrieve the title and get out of, get back through and out the door with it or something like that. If I remember correctly, that's not war games, and that's not but even. Anyways, that's not even logical. You did very well considering you had no idea of that. Oh, one. I. There's not that many war games. Because and... you got Nash, Jarrett, and Harris brothers, which mm. is bizarre. Oh, I just own. remember uh, something in NWO, uh, like when Jarrett was leaving, leading NWO 2000 or whatever. They had like the silver. Um, on the shirts instead of white, and I know he was always with the Harris Brothers. So you know how you like to watch bad stuff and I make fun of you for it? I go and back and watch 2099 WCW a lot, just yeah. because it's, like, awful. And I use it to fall... Honestly, I fall asleep watching it. I sleep like a baby. Mm-hmm. And but then anyways. the NXT War Games is easy, because there's not that many, and a lot of it is Undisputed Era, and I love Undisputed Era, right. so I was able to easily memorize it. Yes. you. I, I had a feeling you would do very well. I wasn't sure you would get every person every year, which you did, but... Um, I figured you'd do well. But anyways, that's going to bring us to the end of our trivia segment. And we'll switch gears, shift gears, that's better, back into talking about wrestling and wrestling that we generally enjoy. And that is this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Um, So we start with CM Punk coming out because obviously he's scheduled to face uh qt marshall in a dream match that we've been waiting dream for. match absolutely right. um but he is interrupted by mjf who comes out he he says punk hurt his feelings last week and it's almost as bad as when he took his ball and went home referring to punk leaving wwe he says the pipe bomb was good and everyone loves it he says that was punk's best moment but every mjf moment is mjf's best moment and he says unlike punk he isn't a one-trick pony he says he respects Punk and he respects that he's straight edge, even though he looks like a mess addict. He says he doesn't respect how Punk handled the situation. He mentions how Punk never mentioned him of peop- on the list of people who he-, who he wanted to face, even though he's now facing QT Marshall. Right. 
Um, MJF says it was because Punk didn't want none of him. Uh, he says Punk has always been a big fish of the small pond, but compared to MJF on the stick, he is a minnow. Uh, he says he is going to verbally destroy him faster than his UFC career. Ooh. He says Punk can drop pipe bombs all he wants because he is MJF and he drops nukes. Ooh. Which I thought that was a nice. It was. That one was good. Uh, Punk grabs a mic. He says he's disappointed in MJF. He says he thanks MJF for last week. He thought MJF stood for my jealous fan. He says he never brought MJF's name up. He never brought up MJF's name by design because he didn't want to feed his ego. He says he is in MJF's head. Probably has a poster of him. He says he hurt so much with the great MJF. I was disappointed because he shut him up without saying anything last week, which True. is fair. Yep. Um, he says MJF thinks he's revolutionary, but he's just a less famous Miz. Oof, that got a big reaction. That was... There is, there are similarities there, to be honest. No, I think that's. I think he's a better version of Miz. Yeah, and I think that was the immediate comparison, like when he first came around. Yeah, there are some similarities. Um, MJ says that was solid and creative and almost what he wanted, and he says that phrase encapsulates Punk's EW run, which that's almost what he wanted. Yeah, that's that's kind of funny. I yeah, I don't think anybody's really wrong here in either on either side of this. Yeah, um, he says nostalgia is a drug that causes us to misconstrue memories, and that represents Punk. He says he was a fan of Punk, and Punk was the best, but since Punk's return, he has struggled to beat the easiest competition and say anything of intrigue, and his breath stinks because he has been kissing ass, which... But I, that's kind of my thing with his first few promos, right? We're kind of just pandering, been, meandering. And he's, like, facing guys like Hobbs and, right. uh, what, Garcia. Right. Like, who, no offense, but they're just not... Yep. No, MJF makes points here, right? I right. think. Um... He mocks Punk and says Punk has gone soft and his hair is going gray. He says, based off Punk's eyes, he is the one who needs to go to sleep. Which I thought that was a really uh, yeah. nice line. Uh, MJ says this is no longer CM Punk. It's PG Punk. And he asks what happened to the guy he grew up on. And Punk, mu- Punk might as well be preaching hustle, loyalty, and respect. Oof, that was nice too. Is another nice singer. Yep. Uh, he says the problem is he can see Punk and he can see through him. He says Punk stayed on his couch for seven years because he was scared he couldn't hang anymore and he should be scared. He says Punk used to look, to be looked at as like underutilized or like he was like the cult icon or whatever, right? Like yep. um, when he was in WWE, ECW and whatnot. And now he has all the tools, like he's like famous and whatnot. And he asks if Punk can even hang anymore. Uh, MJ says he is everything Punk hates because he was born for this while Punk was a misfit from Chicago. He says Punk had to work his ass out to become who he is. But even though he has given all of this, he has been nothing more than second best, whether it was the You Can't See Me Man or the King of Kings. And he says it'll be no different here. He says Punk may claim to be the best in the world, but he is better than him, and Punk knows it. But that was very nice. Yep. Um, Punk says there's some truth in what MJF said. He says he is a little scared after coming back. He didn't know if he still had but he, and he isn't doubting himself anymore. And he isn't scared of MJF. He says MJF did a song and dance and made on New York Times, and he will make it again, but this time on the obituaries. Ooh. He says MJ talks too much like he like he did, but Punk could back it up and MJ can't back uh can't back it up without his backup, which I thought was that was kind of right. funny. Yep. Um and he says the pinnacle is how he gets things done. He says he never mentioned MJF because he went out to the heart and soul of AEW, Darby Allen and beat him without needing a ring. Right. Uh he says MJ talks about the four pillars but doesn't realize he's been replaced by Britt Baker. Nice. Um he says MJF talked too much but made a few good points and they wasted the people's time. Uh, he asked who number one is, and it's not MJF unless they wait around for Tony Khan to have a daughter he MJF can marry. That was awesome. Yeah, that was the nice. shot at Triple H, right? Uh, and Punk says last time he gave out ice cream bars and a burger. This time would be to punch MJF, and then MJF does this thing where he acts like they're gonna fight, and then he walks off. Yeah. Um. I mean, and to put it in context, I'm the guy that complains about 
a lot of shows that start out with like a 15 minute in-ring promo segment sort of thing but that being said like this when you was, do it right you do it right yeah this was fantastic a great start to this show my favorite MJF is when he has a specific target to focus on. Was and it last week they did the Hangman segment, right? So yes. that's two weeks in a row yep. they started with the segment? And he's definitely had something to focus on here. His juvenile insults were good. He also made some good points along the way. His delivery is awesome as usual. And I thought Punk's rebuttal was pretty awesome as well. He's deciding to sort of reply to MJF with like calm condescension, I would say. And that's a good choice because he knows MJF's there to rile you up and make you angry, right? So you can't give him that satisfaction. So Punk just sort of stays in control and says what he needs to say. I didn't really disagree with anything MJF said, despite him being a heel here. I don't know if that's a problem or not, but I don't think he's really wrong about anything. I think anything. he's that good. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, this probably went on too long for some people. They could have saved a bit of this for the future, maybe, but I'm kind of nitpicking. I thought it was a fun way to start the show. I was engaged through a very lengthy promo segment the entire way. And I and then again, that's not my preference to start a show, but I thought this was, and I think JR said it later, right? This was an excellent professional wrestling segment. And unlike NXT 2.0, it feels realistic. This is a believable conversation between a two realistic argument. athletes who have ego, right? This People do talk like this, so this is possible, and it was good. Yeah, I thought this was an awesome start to the show. MJF just firing off zingers and insults like it's nobody's business. And Punk had a few counterlines too, but just felt like MJF was just rolling 5,000 yep. insults off the top of his head. Like, it was awesome. I was, it was an awesome back and forth promo battle. Like, and like last week, this is the right way to start the show with a segment if that's what they're going to do. Yep. Like, if they're doing it, they do it right. Yeah, they're two for two. Because last week, you kind of had to coming out of uh, full gear, right? You kind of had but to. But I think that was still good. And both of the times, they're leading into a match. Yep. So, as we lead into CM Punk versus QT Marshall. It didn't feel like it was just filling time, right? There was a point to this, and yep. it was good. No, it was awesome. I, I think it may have even been better than last week's opening. Yeah, so, probably. Um, and so, yeah, we do go to CM Punk versus QT Marshall. CM versus QT. Matt. Nice. Uh, in, in, in what was basically a drawn out enhancement match. I don't know. I didn't, I feel like that's basically what it was. I think so. Um, a distraction from the factory allows QT to take control, but Punk's com- Punk comes back with a trifecta of body slams. Body slams. Yes. Have a drink. After a chin lock uh, by Punk, more attempted interference from the factory gets them ejected. After, like, it was weird. Uh, Punk was, like, near the ropes. Or I, don't, I can't remember if he was bouncing off the ropes. But then Komoro just holds his foot. Yeah. Like, and nothing happens. So they so. get all thrown out. Yeah. Uh, Punk ducks a clothesline, hits another body slam, which was so awesome. It was just <laughs> yeah, insane. Yeah, I thought the first few minutes of this were kind of just ordinary. But anyways. Yeah, a roper round back elbow by Punk. Crowd count punches in the corner by Punk. Followed by a hammer throw to the opposite corner. QT's in control with methodical offense until Punk sends him in the corner and hits a back by a drop off of the impact and then a running flying clothesline off the apron after QT had rolled out of the ring. A pop-up forearm and a sit-up powerbomb for two by QT after the commercial break. which Powerbomb looked sweet. Yeah, that was a solid little Gotta combo. Gotta give him credit. Uh, right hands and a single leg drop kick by Punk. He, and then he hits the corner running high knee uh, followed by short arm Larry by Punk. But now that I've seen it a lot, Nick Jackson does it way better. He does. Um, elbow drop from the top rope by Punk, kind of the Macho Man uh, ask elbow. He does the top, but I feel like he doesn't do the elbow quite like Macho Man. Nobody does, except maybe Kyrie Sane. Jay Lethal. Hers is nice. Yeah, whatever. Black Machismo. I, I, I'm aware, but he didn't do and it as then well. Punk ends it with a DTS. 
Yeah, I, again, really basic stuff for too long. Um, or sorry, basic stuff to start, and then I thought the match itself was too long. Punk should beat QT Marshall in like four minutes, right? It seems odd to me that Punk would be in a 20-minute promo battle where he tries to put himself over as great on the mic and in the ring, only then to struggle to defeat QT Marshall There's for a little MJ's while. point. Right? right? Um, sometimes I feel like AEW, I mean, I love the company and almost everything they do, but they worry too much about pe keeping people looking strong sometimes, I think. Especially when it's like, I, I remember you had that complaint about that Alan Angels match, yes. right? But the difference was I feel like that was at least his debut, yeah. like, and that was him, them showcasing him. This is QT Marshall. I don't think anyone really cares if he just gets his ass kicked. Right. And the finishing sequence I thought was good, but the rest of Punk's offense was nothing special. So I, I don't know. I thought this was okay. It didn't do much for me. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I haven't seen QT in a while, which I'm okay with. And he looks solid here, but he just isn't that interesting. Punk looked fine here too, but a lot of the offense early on, like you said, was just nah. Yep, before and, body slams. and Right. Like, yeah, he got crazy. a decent win. The opening segment was far better. And then we come to a, a Christian Cage and Jurassic Express interview. Cage says they have a ton of momentum, and they feel unbeatable. He says when you feel this this way good things happen because you have momentum mm -hmm. and Jurassic Express are ranked number one now from their nice. momentum which I mean they're gonna have to wait till the number five ranked guys yeah, lose uh, a couple lose matches the, lose the titles but yeah or lose the title match so I'm, I'm not sure who is ranked number five but um they'll get a title shot first this felt like I don't know why maybe it was the talk of momentum it felt like WWE Christian Cage talking here and I find that he reverts to that style off and on so it's not my favorite I didn't think this was bad necessarily, but it didn't do anything for me either, really. Yeah, and then like the last time was like they have they they've been in the spot before, but now they have the momentum and the confidence, and he will make sure they will. That's win. very WWE. Right. Uh, this felt too WWE with all the talk of momentum and whatnot, and the thing he said at the end sounded like a threat towards my boy Penta. He's starting to ensure that he takes the titles from Penta, like he's trying to take the title from Penta. <sighs> yeah. That is everyone's trying to take titles from everyone. That's how it works. Yeah, but he. Christian Cage mm -hmm. is vowing to make Penta lose his title. He is. That is disrespectful. It's like I, if someone else does it, I don't care. If FTR trying to do that, I don't care. But Christian Cage. Okay. That's not. It's not even like Jungle Boy should be saying that. Not Christian Cage. He speaks he's, for them. He's not in the match. Cause Luchasaurus just growls and Jungle Boy can't really talk. So Christian Cage needs to go away. Um. Next we get a pro or Eddie Kingston. He's like he's sitting and catering or something. Yes, I think. he was and, eating. Right, he says he misses Mox, wishes him a happy Thanksgiving until he's cut off by 2.0. Matt Lee says things got out of hand last week, talks about how Kingston isn't hungry anymore. Parker says they're here to help, and as Kingston gets heated, Garcia throws a uh, drink at him, I think coffee maybe, and then the officials have to separate them. Yep. Um, I thought it was a fine little segment. I There were a couple small things that Eddie did that I really liked while 2.0 were talking. One was he like adjusted the grip on his fork like to hold it like you, you would if you were going to stab somebody which i thought was a really cool subtle thing and then i also like that he just kept staring at garcia even while the others were talking right because garcia is the guy he's going to have a match with so it's never my favorite idea to have eddie kingston in a segment and not have him talk very much but it kind of feels like a missed opportunity but i thought this was fine i mean it i like the role that 2.0 are in right now so i, I thought this was okay um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I enjoyed Kingston here again. I, I liked how he got mad the second they made a remark about Mox. Yep. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. And then, keep your socks the on, The match folks. nobody Stay asked for. Stay in your seats. What the match that everybody has been asking for, the Gun Club versus B. 
bear country. Right. And it's a bad times, combination. Guns and bears or hunting bears. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, I didn't Don't even think of that. that that's, that's why they're having it's the match. built-in story right, right there, brother. I, I, a couple of times, I forgot the R, then I actually type, uh, I was telling you. Bear, bear County? Yeah, Bear County. <laughs> that's right. Which is funny because um, that like, county is so so much lower than a country yeah, they're low card so they're county they gotta earn that why when they get to like the a main event spot sorry the r yes. yeah that's how um, letters so work. I, a couple things to note like before the match uh no entrance for a bear country and the gun club theme sucks and i think it should be billy at ringside i don't know why both of his sons aren't wrestling because it, it is billy and colton gun representing right. and then austin gun is at ringside i think it should be austin and colton and billy can keep his old ass at ringside that's more thought than i'm willing to put into gun club already yeah um, and so I, I can only describe this as a monstrous dream match of extremely epic proportions. Yep. There will be a lot of sarcasm here. Open I, the I, match of the year document. I, <laughs> I, I actually did prepare a big sarcasm filled Go opinion ahead. after the match. Uh, so a cheap attack by Gun Club pre-match, the Bear Country take control. Austin saves Billy from an attack on the outside, then Colton shoves Bear Boulder in the ring steps. And not only does it look really slow, but it was the most blatant, like, he shoves the stairs. <laughs> right. Like, it didn't, it didn't, he didn't shove him super far, but you could tell that that's basically. It's one of those where you get your body against the stairs, and then you shove, right? right. Rather than you crashed into the stairs. Right. Um, a delayed backdrop by Bear Bronson. Remember that, like, almost could have ended badly? Yes, he almost looked like he didn't rotate enough and could have broken right. something, but it worked uh, out. A cheap shot trip by Austin Gunn, uh, and then Colton Gunn hits the Colt 45, which is just like a spinning double underhook suplex or something. Yeah, Which basically. is lame. Looked like an NXT 2.0 finisher. Then after the match, Sting and Darby come out and chase out the Gun Club, despite Gun Club being three people. But I understand, Sting is an old guy who paints his face, so he must be very scared. Terrifying. Uh, I guess this match, right, is to establish Gun Club as quote-unquote legitimate, um, and to move to further the story, follow And the... to remind us that they did, in fact, turn heel. Yeah, so, and it's to move the story on more than the match, I guess. But it felt like this was a dark or elevation match, and that's not what I want on Dynamite, regardless of what they're trying to do with it. So not only that, the aftermath wasn't anything special either. And Allen going from, like, an incredible match-of-the-year caliber singles match with MJF to feuding with a lower, very low-card tag team feels disappointing for him, right? Yeah. I could have easily done without this match and this story at all, to be honest. Okay, you glossed over a lot, but what an incredible match this was. It may <laughs> have taken up over half of the show, but it was time well spent. There was no move left undone. They treated some epic tag finishes back and forth. And I would just like to mention, I had no idea Billy Gunn could do the back arrow, and I think he did it better. Uh, the super electric chair double flip destroyer by the Gun Club was stunning as well, and a great finish. Uh, Bear Country put up a tough fight, however, and had some insane power moves as well, lifting up the Gun Club with their pinkies. So that was pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. But on a serious note, this was two bottom of the division teams having a match with runtime that wouldn't look at a place on NXT 2.0, and the aftermath was fine and uninteresting. And Very not great. forgettable stuff. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. This feels like something they would do on NXT 2.0. Random tag match between two teams you don't care about. Mm-hmm. Oh, five minutes. This was match. a dark match. Let's be honest. Yeah, they probably it have was. faced on dark before. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't even think this deserves to be on dark. I think this wow. just doesn't need to exist. Um, next we get an Adam Cole and Bobby Fish promo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Them together. Yeah. Uh, Cole says the past couple weeks have sucked, and he recounts their losses. And then Cole says they're practically family, and they get interrupted by Chuck Taylor, because there's this thing going through the show, like Friendsgiving or something. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, don't think it was that clearly defined. But... I don't know. Uh, Chuck Taylor and best friends interrupt and says they're literally called the best friends. Cole roasts each member of them and says that they think they're better friends than him and Bobby. They're kidding themselves, and there's a stare down between... 
Cole and Bobby, and then um, uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, Wheeler Yuta. Right. So, I don't know. The friends, best friends inclusion seemed kind of forced and random, but I guess it's giving both of these groups, partnerships, whatever, something to do. Uh, I did like this, the Cole... And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it feels like Cole's really sucking up to Bobby Fish right now because the young bucks are still out and not cleared, right? So Cole needs somebody with him to have his back. And it's uh, so in my mind, and this they is, are former friends, right? So. Yeah, in my mind, this is still the he's using Bobby Fish until Bobby Fish gets sick of it and then Kyle O'Reilly comes up. So I'm still sort of booking I, that in my yeah, mind. Yeah, I really want O'Reilly in right now, whether like it's an undisputed air formation or no, a red dragon versus bucks. Yes. Like, I don't. I, no, Red I, Dragon I'm, I'm, I'm happy with either. Right, so I'm still sort of interpreting it all because that's what I'm hoping is happening. So it feels like Cole is like, because this was extra, like, we're like family. We're not just friends. So it's like, he needs, could... to, he needs somebody to be there while the Bucks aren't. And then when the Bucks come back, I'm sure he can start treating Fish like he doesn't really need him anymore, right? I would like Undisputed to kind of like take the elite spot, though, as like the heel faction. Because like, I feel like the elite, they've been heels for a while. I don't think they need to job. put the elite together at but, all. I think that's too much of a doing NXT stuff. What? Like, go somewhere else. I don't want, or sorry, put uh, Undisputed Era together uh, at all. No, nah, they should do that. Because I don't, I don't think you need to be building factions that were built somewhere else. Yeah, but you make them better. Except maybe if you bring in Hit Row, I might be open to it. But I don't feel like Hit Row's an Hit AEW kind of act. More. Anyways. That makes no sense. Carry on. Uh, next, we get Dante Martin's team taz contract thing thing yeah i did yeah anyway sorry talk about it um first. taz said is taz says it's a golden opportunity and he is either in or out which that is technically how this works he yep. is either in or out he says to leo this is simply business rush says it's business they don't want a part of but dante stops him and signs the contract and hops over the table and leaves with team taz as they are elated so i didn't get this at all like i don't get how so if dante's willing to even sit down in a room with them and entertain a formal contract signing i don't feel like anything should be shocking then right but i don't see in the build he didn't seem like he was willing to get to this point even where he was gonna actually sit down with them and listen to a formal offer so that kind of came out of the blue i don't understand what this means for leo rush and the tag team he had with dante martin which, which i was I really enjoying they had like i think they only had like two matches on dynamite but both of them were great i i thought this was a really strange turn for this story to take i i don't quite understand what they're doing or why it seems i don't know the context isn't there for this i guess i'll give them the benefit of the doubt and see where they go because it does open up a whole bunch of possibilities because now it seemed like leo rush was clearly a heel but now is he and it seemed like dante martin was clearly a face but he's abandoning the heel and joining a heel another heel group right so it was like he was reluctantly a heel heel with he was reluctantly a heel with Leo Rush for weeks. Now he's embracing heelness and joining a heel faction. And Leo Rush is now turned babyface because of it? Like, I don't understand. I didn't yeah, love this, but I I, it all depends on where they go with it. So I'll say that at least. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It was, like, super short and really quick. Like, I was surprised. It was. There was no, like, no, negotiation was... process no. or anything. Here's the paper. Sign it. And he goes, okay. And he signs it. It's I like Dwight Schrute. Interesting... You will sign the paper in 10, 9, <laughs> Right. Um, I find it interesting how he just he stopped Rush from speaking and then signed it. So that's I I hope they at least explain this more. Me too. I, I although I'm just kind of disappointed that that team is over already. Yeah, I was just a little bit confused by this, but hopefully it makes sense later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next we come to Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hader in the TBS Championship Tournament quarterfinals. Yep. Oh, one thing I noticed here, Jr. 
as they're doing entrances or whatever for this match, he's still talking about the previous segment. And he says, talking about um, Dante Martin signing, says, I thought that kid would wait a little longer. And I'm like, I agree. I feel like JR was kind of, you know how he can't help himself, but by saying the refs are missing stuff or whatever, this is broken down. I feel like he couldn't stop himself by saying like, this story skipped a few stops along the way somewhere, right? And I kind of agree with him. Yeah. It, Not that I, I want to agree was... with JR too much anymore, but I do on that one. Yeah, it was like, just blink and you'll miss it. Yep. Um, and so this was a pretty, it was a solid and pretty competitive TV match, I guess, if I'm going to say anything about it. Um, notables, I would say uh, there was like an aggressive collar and elbow tie-up and like kind of a back and forth right off the bat. Hater face palms Rose on them, receives a slap in return. Rosa reverses an Irish whip on the outside and sends Hater into the barricade. Um, Rosa unleashes body shots to back here against the ropes and continues until she has to obviously back off for the the disqualification count. Mm-hmm. Uh, rope rebound, back elbow by Hater. Suplex on the outside by Rosa. Hater is able to catch a dive from the apron by Rosa and rams her into the ring post. Rosa avoids a superplex and hits a shot, uh, top rope shotgun dropkick. A corner clothesline by Rosa, followed by a slingshot double knees to a seated Hater. And our running basement shotgun dropkick still in the corner for two. A strike exchange, and then Rosa locks in a submission, but Reba distracts the ref. Baker interferes and tries to superkick Rosa, but who ducks, and then it hits Hater instead. And Rosa takes up Baker and Reba and rolls up a Hater with a victory roll for the win. Yeah, I, I I ended up actually quite liking this match, I think more than you did. I found that the beginning, there wasn't much wrestling going on. It was brawling, but that's okay. Then sort of Thunder Rosa got in control and things picked up. She's just really fun to watch, right? The crowd really loves her and they kind of got into the match. I thought Hater looked good targeting Rosa's back and also taking Thunder Rosa's offense. I thought it was the best that Hater has looked so far and maybe that's credit to Thunder Rosa a little bit there too. But I ended up uh, enjoying this match and I think Thunder Rosa is just really fun to watch. And I thought this was a better match than I was expecting and that Hater looked better than I've seen her. So I, I like this match actually. And I guess, I don't know how I feel about, are they teasing, like, issues within Brit's little group, I guess? That has to happen at some point. I'm just glad, glad it's not Rebel. I think Rebel and Brit should be a package deal for the whole time. So we'll see where it goes with Hater from here. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It wasn't bad or anything, but didn't really interest me to begin with, so I was never super into it. I guess it's kind of, like, maybe a precursor to It's definitely Baker not like the result was ever in doubt, Baker right? I don't think. Yeah, that, that also didn't help, like, when it's, like... Just a kind of meh match, and then you know who's going to win. There's decent good. action, but there's nothing super notable or super interesting. Right. So that was fine. I liked it. Uh, Chris Jericho interview for some reason, because we've been lost without him, I guess. For right? sure. Um, He gets cut off by 2.0 Garcia almost immediately. He says, instead of bragging about throwing coffee at Kingston, they should buy equipment and lock down their houses to protect themselves. Uh, he says Matt Lee has a square head and goes on for that way too long. Yep. He says if they interrupt, ever interrupt him again, he'll knock their teeth down their throats, probably with Floyd. And Parker says, with all respect, the shut Jer- for Jericho to shut his mouth. Yeah, I don't know. I've found Jericho kind of not very funny and kind of lame lately. His stuff just seems like less clever and a little bit lazy. Like he's not putting much time into it. He's just kind of going, I'll just figure it out once I get there kind of thing. And I don't think he's doing a great job. But I do like, again... I like the role that 2.0 and Garcia are playing at this point. Just like the low-card annoying heels, right, that provide people matches and wins and things. you got to have that, and I think 2.0 are pretty perfect in that role. But I don't know. I'm finding Jericho harder and harder to take, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like this because I feel like they're already kind of occupied with Kingston, 
and it, this is just super random. Like, yeah. it doesn't really... I don't see Jericho getting into a program with these guys, so it doesn't really, like, do anything. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. It felt kind of... Yeah, a little bit random. Then we have a weird Britt Baker Thanksgiving thing with Reba and Tony for some reason. She says she is thankful for giving them the best Thanksgiving ever. She says if she appalled, she or she said she apologizes if Rosa wins the TBS title because then it'll be doomed forever. And she says she's thankful she is still AEW Women's Champion. And Tony reveals that Riho is never eliminated from the Casino Battle Royal. Seems a little late to mention that. And a that. Weird, weird time to do that, too, right? right. I don't and know. she will face Baker on Rampage Black Friday in a Black Friday deal match if Riho wins. She gets a title shot, which she did, actually. So yeah, she won. She Riho gets a title shot. Yay. So was the idea that this was like people didn't show up to. Brit's Thanksgiving dinner thing? Like, I didn't I don't know. quite or, understand. I think it was Friendsgiving. Right. So, what again, what's going on with I that? I don't know. It was unclear to me. This is basically the same thing they do with Abaddon for Halloween. It's yeah. just... I didn't love this. Mm-hmm. I thought Brit was funny at the very end of it, but the rest was not her best work. And just the whole setup of, like, this is the time where Tony decides to talk about um, Riho not being... I don't know. Like, months later. And the fact that they're sitting at, like, a full table setting for thanksgiving dinner just felt a bit like wwe and i didn't care for it so there were some things on this show i thought were not as solid as usual this would be one of them. yeah it was fine it just, i guess it's just another match to keep baker busy yeah i'm sure it is i just um, thought the segment itself was lacking mm-hmm. uh next we get brian danielson versus hometown boy cole cabana mm-hmm. boom 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 in a short but well-worked enhancement match, I thought, um, notables, there's, um, some back-and-forth wrestling work from the get-go until Brian attempts an armbar, but Cabana gets a rope break, and then there's a cheap shot after the break, of course, from mm-hmm. Brian. Holds encounters, and Brian starts kicking the hamstring with, uh, Cabana on his back, and then some corner chops. Uh, repeat kicks the torso by Brian, like, he kicks him in the chest, and he kicks him kind of in the shoulder, then he kicks him in the back. Also, like, those, just, like, the, that, like, the yes kick. Yeah. That, that kind of kick, I'm not sure what the technical name for those are. Um, a pair of up cuffs follows from Brian. Um, the classic, like, bunch of jabs and uh, the hand thing and the bionic elbow by Cabana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian avoids a flying apple in the corner, hits a released German suplex, and then a running corner drop kick in the opposite corner, then some corner kicks and chops. Uh, Cabana punches Brian off of an avalanche back suplex attempt and then hits falls with a moonsault for two, which is one of the cool things you can do. Um, repeated short arm bionic elbows by Cabana, but Brian heel trips him and then hits those stomps with the wrist traps. And uh, a nice move, actually. He rolls through into the little bell lock for the win. So right. I don't know if he's actually used that yet, because that's like his signature submission. I don't submission, think he has. So that finally getting some use out of that signature move. And then after the match, uh, he has a quick in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone. Uh, he says when he debuted in Chicago, he got a much different reaction. He wonder if, it, if it's him or the fans. He says he would describe it as fickle, and he is not fickle, kind of like implying the fans. I thought that was actually kind of a fun callback to yep. eco-friendly Daniel Bryan. It is. I remember that was like one of his main things that it the fans was. are fickle and yep. like the whole uh, with the whole eco-friendly stuff. So I thought that was a kind of an his whole like it's not that I've changed, it's that you've changed, right? right? Sort of thing. So I kind of like that. Um, he said he would kick Cabana's head in, and he also kicked his tooth out. He says he hears there are a few dark armor members from Atlanta, and he'll face any of them, kick their head in. I like that. That kind of uh tangent i wonder if they would have had to plan like this with their show schedule because i feel like it's, probably right so i mean that that's good. they do plan like, ahead right unlike some right. other companies that are changing the script day of this company right. seems to book things he says all, this all leads to hangman page who comes out almost immediately after getting name dropped like he was waiting seconds, yep i would say uh hangman says brian made his point with cabana and that will be the last 
says Chicago's very special to him. He can't think of a better spot to defend the title. And Brian says, of course, Hangman wanted to do it after he just wrestled a match. Great point. And Love Hangman that. says he doesn't care. He doesn't have to defend it, but he won't leave without a fight. And since Brian just wrestled, he'll give him the first shot. Brian tells him not to insult him like that and then slaps him anyways. A brief ball breaks out, and Brian flees the ring when in danger of a buckshot lariat, a la Kenny Omega. Right. Um, Match-wise, I thought Brian, uh, Danielson looked really aggressive, and Cabana did a good job of taking a beating, I thought, for the most part, right? And that that match was all it needed to be, and for once, they didn't give the lesser talent, no offense to uh, Colt Cabana, but I think that's fair. Um, no, they that didn't, is fair. They didn't give the lesser talent a ton of time on offense, right? This kept Brian looking strong. And Colt doesn't need to look strong. So he got in a little bit of stuff, but not a ton. And this was kept kind of short. The aftermath, I really liked the interaction between Paige and Danielson. Danielson twisting, I thought was brilliant. Twisting Paige's challenge, right? To be cowardly. Instead of him looking brave because, yeah, I'm ready to fight you anytime. Like, let's fight right now. Right, because that, that was like the whole Brian's whole thing last week was that like, um, we should do it right now, but you're in not in wrestling gear, right. and, which is cool because Paige did come out in, in ring gear. You're actually. trying to act tough, but you're actually a coward because you want to fight me after I just had a match. I mean, right? it was against Cole Cabana, but we can he can leave that part out. So then I thought the brief brawl and even the retreat by Danielson worked really well here. I thought it was a good segment, and it does help build the match a little bit, and it just clearly, more clearly defines Brian, uh, Danielson as a heel, right? Which... I'm I'm enjoying so far. Yeah, me too. He can't miss for me right now. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great little match because they worked exactly like they should have. I think Cabana got an appropriate amount of offense and Brian got to look strong and get another victory. Agreed. I don't know which Dark Order members are from Atlanta, but I hope one of them is John Silver because Stu Grayson's Canadian, right? He sure is. Damn it. How is he going to face Stu Grayson? I don't know. Uh, I hear there's another ball member of the Dark Order. Boom. Segway. Nice. Uh, that could apply to five, too. No, it should be Stu Grayson. Um... The aftermath was pretty good, too. Uh, Brian's doing great in this new role. The brawl is well done, too, as they didn't have it last too long. It was, like, a very small taste of the match. I agree. And then That's also, didn't bother me at I all. I also like them saving the buckshot for the big moments or Like, matches. they just barely touched here, right? Which they're baby-stepping to them, not touching at all, to now, like, one slap, basically, escape the finisher, and then we can get to the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Next, we get, for some reason, another Ruby Soho Chris Stylander promo package. Third one? Yes. Right? Which I... For a tournament match? Yeah. Interesting. I, I, um, so Soho says there's a long list of people she wanted to face when she came to AEW, and Statlander was at the top. Yeah, I'm sure Statlander's not was at the top. Yeah. She was a con- top contender. She is, point. but like I don't know. I feel like there's maybe Britt Baker. Bit I guess she already yeah. faced Britt Baker, but whatever. Um, Statlander says she will win, become the first TV's champion, and be your leader, which I don't understand that part. Like, the whole be your leader thing, I guess, because she'd be champion. Yeah, but that's all. she's not even main champion, so that doesn't even check out either. Uh, Soho said she'll prove to everyone she is the best, and she has to beat the best to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did they... I, I almost feel like AEW knows these two have chemistry, and it's going to be amazing, because they certainly are putting... I mean, it's not like any of these vignettes are really long, but it's been three of them for a tournament match, right? So I don't know if they really are trying to get both these women over, which I'm totally fine with, because I like both of them. But this match has to deliver now, I think, right? Like, they're sort of raising expectations for this, for me at least. So I yeah, hope it's good. Yeah, that, that's a fair thing to say. I And I, like, I guess it must be good because I don't think a tournament match warrants three separate video packages, but... They it, must, or they have something in mind, right? I don't know. Like, um, but anyways, I don't know. we'll some find out. twist or something. I, I thought the, pa- the packages have been fine, so we'll hopefully the match delivers. Um... So then we come to our main event, which yeah, is Cody Rhodes in the Death Triangle versus Malachi Black, Andre Alito, and FTR in a frenzied multi-man, eight-man tag. 
Um, and at one point, Andrade just, like, I think it was after commercial break. I thought he would rip the pants off, like, Angel Garza, but he is wearing trunks now. Yeah, because we don't get through. picture in picture when they say we do. Very rarely now, actually. It's been consistently, like, not when they go out of their way to tell us we're getting it. We don't get it. Right. I don't know if it's just Canada or whatever, but we're not getting picture in picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, for, like, you have a all-star roster in this match, Yeah, it's right? hard to so, go wrong with these eight, yeah. right? Uh, Colin Rumble tie between Cody and Dax. Argument after the break. Um... Shoulder tackle by Cody, and then shortly after, shoulder tackle by Dax. More back and forth. Drop down uppercut and power slam by Cody. And Cody throws his weight belt to the crowd, and shortly after, it does get thrown back in the ring. As Pac yeah, the crowd chants throw it back. Attacks. That was funny. <laughs> and he has to put it back on after, yeah. which I thought was awesome. Well, because it was weird. It got thrown back, then Andrade went and shoved it under the ring, and then somehow after it, it got thrown back, yeah, yeah. it came back again, and then Cody put it on. I, again. I don't know. So I don't know I think it's how hard. it got out from under the ring, right. but it did. Um. A back suplex by Dax. Uh, Cash shows off after holes and counters and needs a boot from Pack and a body slam. Chop exchange between Penta and Cash. Like, um, kind of knife edge top versus, uh, like Penta does the overhand chops usually. Yes. A rope step her can run it and a drop kick by Phoenix on Andrade. Triple roundhouse and then a triple basement drop kick by Death Triangle, which is pretty nice. Um, as the Death Triangle argue with the ref, like, so she's, like, kind of occupied with them. The heels just all pound on Cody in their corner, which I thought was awesome. Because FTR always do that. Yes. So I think it's pretty nice have, adding um, Andrade and Black in there. And can we just say that Cash's hair looked... Like, it wasn't great. At in, least the one shot it, we got. It looks incredible, but in a way that, like, I think he's going for, right? It's supposed to... It's like a, kind of like a fluffy mullet. And the way it, like, flows when he's moving looks ridiculous. Yeah. But I think it's working for him. Um, Phoenix, just, uh, uh, all I wrote was Phoenix does a lot of cool stuff. My goodness, um, Rapid corner strikes by Black on Phoenix, like, just speedy. Uh, Phoenix ducks a 619 from Cash, which was stupid, because he showed 619. Yeah, announced it. <laughs> and hits a rope rebound heel kick, that signature move of his, which I think looks, it's always nice. Yep. I, I love that. Uh, corner, float over, backstabber to Andre, but pent to hot tag, one of his signature moves. Andre kind of, like, flips off of it after, like, in the cell, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Pack takes to everybody, and then we get one of those moments where everyone hits something on someone else. It was awesome. Which, yes, it was awesome. A pack of voice of corner double knees by Andrade hits, like, just a very quick and impactful belly-to-belly in the, in the turnbuckles. Yeah, it looked crazy. Um, Arn and Tully stare off for some reason, then both hit Jose, and then they kind of leave for some reason. Or, or after, like, FTR and Tully corner Arn, and Lucha Bros take out FTR. Lucha Bros dives to FTR, Pack goes for the black arrow, but gets misted by Malachi Black. And Andrade falls with the hammerlock DDT to pick up the win. Yeah, super entertaining match. I thought, like, Phoenix really stood out here. That guy is crazy. And the fact that he doesn't ever really screw up anything when he does everything so quickly and so much high-risk stuff that nobody else is really doing, he is amazing. This was just eight major talents, right, getting a bunch of time in a main event, and they delivered, I think. the That insane flurry near the end was just cool. Every And I know that's going to bother some people, right, because that's the referee losing control and whatever, but I don't care. That was just really fun action. I don't think they... I think you agree with me. I don't think they needed the part with the managers getting in the ring. Yeah, that's... Oops, something just fell. Yeah, and broke all over the floor. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was really necessary. It felt like they tried to throw in a little bit of comedy with uh, Jose getting yeah, in there with Yeah, I them. don't think that's like... It felt a bit it, out of place. It felt super out of place, I think. But other than that, I, um, I thought that this was an excellent match and a really good main event. Like, how could it not be? It delivered Yeah, it was me. awesome. I enjoyed um, it. Um... 
This is a great main event. It makes me miss the days where we got an awesome Ultiman tag on a near weekly basis. Usually I, in the opener, right? Right. Um, or like somewhere around that. Um, I think it was only last year, but it feels like a while ago. That that was an awesome time. It I remember was. they would just have like some sort of crazy Be like a tag six match man every tag week. to start, and they were always right. Or crazy. like even when they did like a twelve man tag, yep. they it was still good. Like they they had a gift for that. But it's good to know they still know what they're doing because I feel like we don't get them as often now. But which is why we need awesome. trios belts in this company, hundred percent. And mm-hmm. I'm not a more belt guy. I want trios titles. Yeah, that even like that one's cool because it creates like such a different division. Not a lot of places have them. Like the only one I can think of is ROH, right. who's basically shutting down. And they never really show them. They're almost never. It's on what TV Shane Taylor promotions, yes. and then sometimes combinations of random guys, right? Right. Um, not only were there some great spots and sequences, but it just helped that they have a great group to work with here. Everyone's match can go in the ring, and they all mesh well together. It was just a great ending to the show. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're into overall thoughts. Uh, I thought this was a good but not great episode of Dynamite. There were not as many things that uh, I usually get excited by many things on the show. It wasn't the case here. I thought the main event was excellent. But in ring-wise, there was really nothing else that was a standout, right? I did enjoy, like... The Jamie Hayter, Thunder Rosa, and the Danielson Cabana match for what they were, but they weren't amazing matches by Dynamite standards for sure, right? So I thought it was below average in ring. I also thought it was below average show segment wise. That being said, the fantastic, really lengthy opening segment brings up the average for sure, and I enjoyed Danielson and Page's interaction, but nothing else really stood out to me. Like the Britt Baker one I liked less than usual, the Eddie Kingston I liked less than usual. So I thought it was a below average show. I gave it a B overall, which is pretty low for uh, a Dynamite. I thought it was still enjoyable. Like, I didn't feel like it was a chore to watch, but I thought it was like a tier or a tier and a half below really strong episodes. Like, Dynamite for me lately has been getting like A minus, A minus, A, A minus. So this is clearly a step down from that for sure. But I still thought it was a good show. Still like light years ahead of NXT 2.0. So uh, good, but not great show. Right. Um, I thought it was pretty enjoyable as well. Um, I thought the beginning segment was awesome. The main event was great as well. And I think, like, the other matches, like, uh, Hater, Rosa was fine, I guess. And I, I think Cabana, Danielson was pretty good. There's a lot of, like, short segments, I thought. None of them were, like, that bad. I think some of them are weird, like the Baker one or Jericho's. Um, and the best may have been Kingston's, if I had to pick out of those short segments. Yeah. Um, the only messed up on the show was the utter randomness of Gone Club versus Bear Country. Yeah. So I'd rate it a little higher. I, I might go with the B plus. Nice. All right, well, that's going to bring us into our next segment where we talk about other wrestling things in what we like to call any other wrestling business. All right, so we're going to switch it up a little bit for any other wrestling business, and that is due to Impact Wrestling, which is usually what we cover here first. They decided to try and torture me, I guess, and I'm just not falling for it because this week's <laughs> episode was a two-hour Wrestle House 2 special. No, not not doing it. So we watched... I You're actually be waited behind for, next week. I, maybe. Oh, geez. Oh, how will I ever catch up on these riveting storylines? But so we watched, what, maybe 10 minutes of it because yep. I put it on with you just as a joke. So I can tell you it started out with... Uh, Father James Mitchell doing a poem, right? Voice over a poem summarizing all of Wrestle House 1, since that's so key. We needed to have that. And then we watched the beginning of the current one. I don't know, any takeaways? Like, Rosemary seems to be in charge, Chris obviously. Chris Sabin is hot now, I Chris guess. Chris Sabin is the sexy guy in a coming out of the shower in a towel, I guess. Um, I don't know. I gave it about 10 minutes, and I just couldn't do it. And then I, like, 
because it recorded, so I skipped ahead on my recording to make sure that, in fact, the entire episode was WrestleHouse. So I'm not doing that. So what we decided to do, and I'll come back to Impact next week, um, what we've decided oh, to do... And Mom got to see it. Because we didn't get around to it, is we're going to talk about Survivor Series. I know it's about a week removed now, but we thought we would um, replace talking about Impact Wrestling, talking about Survivor Series 2021. So that's what we're going to do here. Did you open the document I shared with you? I will do that now. So I, one of my things is I telling Jack, like, open up our uh, worst of the year document because I feel like this show is likely to make an appearance there. Um, this show, not to just to set it up, I guess, made me kind of angry. It was, for me, in a nutshell, okay in ring work. And then it's like I, I really find it difficult, like, and it'll show here to say anything that like super positive beyond about, like it was fine about the matches because like I just. They don't, this isn't wrestling, and I don't like it. It didn't, none of this mattered, right? And, and, and yeah, that's worse, too. Like, they coupled their crappy wrestling style, which I just, I hate now. Because yep. I, I watch AEW on a weekly basis now. I never get to watch this, so it, it makes it worse. And they coupled with that with the fact that none of these matches matter. Right. Um. So, just in my notes leading up to it, this is likely one of the worst builds to a recent pay-per-view that I can remember. Right. right? They even have asked it by Survivor Series standards. And I don't even watch main roster, but I read and listen to a ton of stuff where pretty much everything I saw was basically like, they're just throwing this together. They're changing the teams. Uh, Tony, they're too focused on Saudi Arabia. Tony Storm was added late on Twitter, and apparently they didn't even update the graphic on the show two days before this was happening. Um, Nakamura and Damian Priest had zero interaction before their match was set up and thrown together right. And again, so this is sold to us as a battle of brand supremacy. And I don't know if you remember this. Um, actually, I'll get into that later. But sorry, a battle of, for brand supremacy when most of the members of these teams, right, switched brands. Yeah, like I weeks think I ago. mentioned it. I, it might, I think it was Team SmackDown, perhaps, like men's, yeah. that like everybody had just moved brands on that team, yeah. I'm pretty sure, or like something like that. And like, some of these people really don't like each other, which, I mean, some sometimes they actually did mention that. Like, can they coexist? But it's stupid. So going into this pay-per-view, there's really little build to any matches, aside from, I would say, Lynch, Flair, and a little bit of Big E and Reigns build. I think Lynch, Flair, though, that... I don't even know if you can count that, because they just... They're... They already have so much history. They they can just like go say like, hey, they've done, they've had a lot of history and claim that's a bill. Well, and apparently they're really fighting backstage, right, and stuff. And I think a lot of fans know about that. So there's no stakes involved in any of these matches. You have champion versus champion for nothing. You have teams versus teams for nothing. So I came into the show not expecting much, but that sometimes can mean it'll over deliver, right? In fact, I told you this for maybe. Have you ever? Have I ever in your life knowing me? Have I ever been like? I'm okay if we don't watch this pay-per-view because yeah. I think this was the first time I've ever done that, right? Uh, at least the You've first time. At while. least the first time in a long time. Right? That I've been like, I don't care if we see this one because yeah. it looked so unappealing to me. It does, yeah. Uh, but anyways, it, it's a clear signal to me that WWE no longer cares about pay-per-views, right? The money for them is not in pay-per-view buys or even in network anymore subscriptions. The money's in their TV contracts, and they've already got that. So they don't really care about anything else, and that is clear. They don't care if we watch. They don't care if we like it because they've got their money, right? Their record profits, firing a whole bunch of people, low ratings, record profits. So what is their motivation to care? But right. anyways, let's get into this. So the pre-show, I don't think you watched it, did you? I did. Oh, you did? I'm sorry that you had to watch it because it was amazing, right? Yeah. So Rick Boogs comes out with his guitar. and You mean Rick Boogs. Right. And introduces Shinsuke Nakamura, obviously. 
So we get Holds Encounters to start, and basically the running theme through this was that Boogs would start playing his guitar. And that, like, just distracts, both distracts Priest, and hypes up Nakamura. And gets McAfee dancing, generally, in the background. And it reminded me of, remember at Extreme Rules when Valor pumped up? Yes. <laughs> so Nakamura, at one point, is mocking Priest by, like, doing the archery miming thing. Then we get more guitar, and Nakamura does the good vibrations kick in the corner to the guitar playing. We get an early chin lock by Priest. The crowd is dead for this. We get more guitar playing to distract Priest because I know, you know, most professional athletes are distracted by music being played beside them. Happens all it's the not time. Like, and it's NBA not players like, just stop playing when there's music. Right. Playing. And it's not like these ones enter to music. No. Um, we get strikes, kicks, sliding German suplex by Nakamura. He comes off the ropes into a spinning heel kick to shift the momentum. Kicks and strikes. Priest tosses Nakamura before a back elbow and a clothesline. We get the broken arrow by Priest for a near fall. They dodge each other's kicks until Nakamura lands one. Then we get the Kinshasa countered into the south of heaven by Priest for a two count. That's like the sit-out. I think that's a solid name for it. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, clothesline countered into an arm by by Nakamura. Armbar, sorry, by Nakamura. Countered into a Priest submission. Nakamura is out, but the playing guitar starts, and Priest releases the hold, obviously, as you would, uh -huh. to go smash the guitar and then hit Rick Boogs with it. So Nakamura comes out of the ring to help Boogs. Priest instinctively hits Nakamura with the guitar, and we don't even get a finish on the pre-show match as we get a disqualification of Priest after about nine minutes of action. I'm pretty sure I took a tally for Raw vs. SmackDown. I'm pretty sure I forgot to finish it, too. It's funny you point that out. Because they didn't do it either. Throughout the whole show, oh, do you yeah. remember anyone pointing no, out? No, because they usually do. I remember they And they did to. not. They did not. And basically, Raw won pretty much anything, if you go back and look. I'm, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was one of those days where um, SmackDown won on the kickoff, and then although they won by disqualification. So, so I was going to bring it up later, but that was one of my things, is that brand supremacy, brand supremacy, but we're never going to actually mention it or show you the score on this show. Uh, what did you think of this opener? It was really boring. It and was for, boring. Considering it's these are two talents that I pretty I, I like. have no problem with either I, of them. I I've always like liked Nakamura. I know Love you've him. always loved him as well, and I think Priest is pretty good too. I liked him in NXT. I I enjoyed him more than you did. But I think we both at he's least not came, untalented. There's right, no and we doubt. both came around on him at yep. least towards the end of his run even, and now he's just like an idiot too. And now he's like he's getting serious with like a new. Um, yeah, I think aggressive side, but I think he's doing like almost a um, dual personality thing, which I, and yeah, his entrance definitely shows now. Cause it's like Damien is right. like, um, all uh, it's like devil almost. Yes. Right. And then, and priest, then priest, is priest is priest. Yeah. So it's like his taunts, like a, it's like a silhouette of him. Right. And like half the priest half is like heaven and hell. So I think that's just so stupid. It's doing it's a duality so... of man gimmick, oh, and they dumb. won't do it well. Yeah, I thought this was barely okay. The action was really slow and predictable. The crowd was dead. The guitar playing was stupid. The finish was disappointing and made Priest look kind of foolish. So I imagine the finish and the guitar stuff was part of the reason they moved this to the pre-show, because it's silly and you're not getting a finish. But and because like, they had to make time for the Rock 25 Battle Royal, okay? If the theory of the pre-show match is to get people interested to buy the pay-per-view that haven't already, how is this convincing anyone to do anything? No, the point of the pre-show is just to fill time, because otherwise it would just be the stupid panel. So these guys executed moves, I can say that, but there was really no energy or drama to this. There's no story, there's no stakes, so it's no pretty purpose. hard even for talented guys to have a great match, especially when it's sports entertainment, which is that whole guitar crap for me. Um, 
and yeah, that I didn't like it. <laughs> Long I feel story like for short. it to be sports entertainment, it should be entertainment. Yeah, really? I would hope, but no. So the main show starts, um, and the intro package we get is just an ad for a rock movie disguised as a comparison with Survivor Series. Yeah. So I stopped paying Netflix attention movie. right away. Maybe Jack has some thoughts on it. Because uh, I was mad already. They tried to keep comparing it. It just didn't work. I will watch the movie eventually, though, because it says Ryan Reynolds in it. It's Ryan Reynolds I heard it's and Dwayne Johnson. So basically... The in-ring action on this show, I think, can be summed up as okay at best. And when you combine it with all of the segments and the ads and the promotional crap, like, this was tough to get through. Yeah, this Vince McMahon had a golden egg. Yet, I see reviews for this getting, like, um, B pluses and 8s out of 10s and stuff. Like, I don't understand what people, I guess, opinions Shows. can differ. Um, so, we get a video package then summarizing the story between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair they did include the belt exchange segment that was somewhat controversial and allegedly led to a legit confrontation between the two backstage. So the opening match is Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch versus SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair Ooh, in yes, a non-title. They recently switched belts, so that right. adds even less stakes to right. this. Right, so no stakes to this, even though it's two champions. They start brawling right away. We get a chop block by Flair. She goes for the natural selection really quickly, but Lynch counters with a disarmor attempt. Um, we get a stiff back kick to Flair's face. Action goes outside, flares run into the post, then the barricade. Manhandle slam is countered into a backbreaker and a kick to the back by Flair. They exchange knees on the apron and Flair runs Becky into the ring post. Flair goes up for the moonsault, but Lynch shoves her off to the floor. We get a back suplex by Flair um, to Lynch on the barricade. Uh, and both just beat the referee's count after that. Slap exchange that looks pretty, pretty real, to be honest, until Charlotte drops Becky with a clothesline. Flair stays in control until Becky hits a springboard kick to the back, or sorry, a springboard back kick. Uh, Flair counters an armbar into a powerbomb, the classic you just pick her up off the mat spot. Lynch then has an aggressive barrage in the corner, but Flair reverses an exploder and sends Lynch into the turnbuckles. Flair takes forever to hit Andrade's, um, is it the one where she misses the top rope moonsault and then hits the next one, right? Yeah, But it she took forever it to set up. Uh, we get strikes and kicks by Lynch, followed by a leg drop off the second rope to Charlotte hanging through the ropes. We get a missed boot and a back elbow that looked like sort of kind of trying to do what Andrade does, but not nearly as well, by Charlotte Flair. Uh, big boot by Flair for two, reverse DDT by Lynch for two. Uh, Becky mostly misses a top rope leg drop, then hits the manhandle slam too close to the rope. Charlotte gets her, I can't remember if it's her foot or hand on the ropes to break the count. Becky applies a figure four. They're slapping each other as they're sort of engaged in that hold. Flair reverses the pressure by rolling over, but Lynch gets to the ropes. Lynch takes a boot on the apron, falls to the floor. We get a moonsault by Flair to the floor that barely touches Becky Lynch, and it's pointed out by two members of commentary. They hold, didn't get all of that one sort of thing. Disarmor by Flair as they're each trying to hit each other's finishing moves, right? You had Lynch with a figure four and Flair with a disarmor a bit later. Rope break by Lynch, though. Stiff chops by Flair. O'Connor roll by Flair. She tries to use the ropes for leverage, but the ref catches her. Lynch counters it into an O'Connor roll of her own, and she does use the ropes for leverage. The ref doesn't notice, and Lynch picks up... Right, because she holds on last second. Right. Lynch picks up the win in about 18 and a half minutes. What did you think of this one? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was okay, but considering the reputations of both of these two, I thought I was expecting better. And real life heat, apparently. I guess. I guess that might play a role. I thought. I think it was pretty good though. And all things considered, on this night, it was probably the best one. That is not um, high praise, however. No, but it's not. It's a statement of fact. I I guess it was okay, but 
they really don't benefit from like no stakes or no, interest and the finish no. was just okay yeah i thought this was a really good match actually easily my match of the night on this show the action was back and forth some of the strikes and chops looked pretty stiff i thought not everything was executed perfectly there were a couple minor issues but easily forgivable was such a good match overall the finish wasn't great. I don't really mind it that much. I imagine the plan, right, is they're trying to keep everybody looking strong, especially in champion versus champion matches when there is, there's no 50, stakes 50 and nothing's in. changing hands. So we got to kind of keep status quo. We're in like a holding pattern, basically. So this was their idea to accomplish it here. Excellent tension and aggression made this a really good match. I thought a strong opener for the show. No coincidence, I don't think, that this is actually the one that had some effort in a story leading up to it. So it was a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I think they benefited from just they've already had many matches and right. stuff. We get highlights of The Rock making his 25, or sorry, his debut 25 years ago as Rocky Maivia at Survivor Series at Madison Square Garden. Where is Rock, you ask? He's all over the show, Not so here. I imagine he's making a surprise appearance later, right? No, um, he's just going to give Vince McMahon an egg for Drew, the movie. A Drew McIntyre video package aired highlighting his time with WWE, including some of his bad gimmicks and his release from the company. And then we get an ad for NXT War Games. Woo! Next match after we fight through the commercials and promo packages is Team Raw, which is Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Austin Theory taking on Team SmackDown, comprised of Drew McIntyre, King Woods, Jeff Hardy, Happy Corbin, and Sheamus in a classic Survivor Series elimination match. I had, I don't know, decent expectations for this just because I think the Raw team is filled right. with good talent and then... Uh, I guess there's a couple of decent ones on SmackDown. And I told you it was my first time seeing Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss, right? Wasn't impressed by either one, really, because I don't really watch the shows anymore. So I hadn't seen them since their gimmick changes. Uh, so Kevin Owens starts out for his team. He's all fired up. And then he just drops and rolls out of the ring and heads up the ramp. And he's counted out after 55 seconds, which I actually thought was kind of funny. I don't, I didn't mind that at all. Yeah, I, don't know. I thought it was kind of weird and... It sucks because um, Seth Rollins did the same thing last year. Remember, he just yeah. sacrificed himself, and yep. then that was it, them writing him off right. until the Royal Rumble. So, and I'm kind of like sick of them doing that now, two years in a row. But I guess this one was better. Yeah, Woods takes control of Theory, tags in Drew McIntyre, who continues to dominate Theory before tagging in Sheamus to continue the onslaught here. Theory finally tags in Rollins. Corbin gets control, and SmackDown now takes turns beating on Seth Rollins for a bit here. Balor attacks Sheamus's arm. Sheamus levels Finn with a forearm, and SmackDown now are sort of in control of Balor for a while. Balor finally fights back, but a brief distraction by Moss allows Corbin to hit the deep six slam. Eventually, Balor ends up hitting the coup de gras and eliminating Corbin just before the eight-minute mark. So Lashley then enters, dominates Jeff Hardy, who was by far got the biggest pop of anyone in this, right? Which is a sad, sad statement. Yep. Like, this is, again, nothing against Jeff Hardy, but you're eh, not... Maybe a little bit. You're not building baby faces. If this guy who's a thousand years old and has been here for 50 years is still the only baby face they're cheering, right? Uh, so anyways, they tag in Balor, Lashley, and Theory let Hardy hit, sorry, let him hit the whisper in the wind, right? Which was not a swanton, as commentary called no. it. Yeah, um, people are just waiting for him to hit it. And I say let them because it happened right in their corner and they did nothing about it, right? Right. It couldn't have been in a neutral corner. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Lashley hoists McIntyre onto his shoulders at ringside, runs Drew into the ring post. Woods, that actually looked kind of cool. Woods hits some fast-paced offense to Theory. He goes up top, but Lashley knocks him off and spears Woods before applying the full Nelson and Woods is eliminated at 1325. So Raw is up 4-3 if you're keeping score. 
I am not. Stare down between Drew and Lashley. Drew tags in. Lashley backs up to his corner, but there's no one there for him to tag. Leapfrog and a flatliner by Lashley. Um, Lashley's clotheslined over the ropes to the floor, where he then clotheslines Drew over the barricade. I forgot to know that Lashley's tights are actually red instead of black with, like... Yeah, they all dressed for... So I I thought, like, I mean, I don't... I know, like, it's weird they have to wear their bland colors, but I like Lashley doing it Way better than wearing t-shirts. That's true. That's true. Way better. I mean, I like 2019 because they wore. I remember they had armbands. That yes. was also cool. But I like that Lashley. Like he doesn't wear a lot of colors, so I thought that was a yep. nice uh, change of pace. And Rollins look pretty good too. So Drew and uh, Lashley are basically out on the floor. They both get counted out at 16:25. So now it's 3-2 for Raw. Drew hits the claymore to Lashley anyways, and officials and MVP have to sort of hold Lashley back from attacking. Rollins taunts McIntyre. Drew hits him with a headbutt before leaving. Balor tags in, goes up for the coup de grace on Sheamus, who rolls out of the way. Sheamus gets up, hits Balor with a brogue kick, pins him to eliminate Balor at 19.30. This is still going. We're tied 2-2 now. Sheamus and Hardy team up for poetry in motion. We get tandem clubbing blows, the signature ones Sheamus does in the rope, and Hardy's joining him as they hit Rollins and Theory with them. Um, We get a... Sorry, my notes just totally flipped down really far, and I lost my spot. You can do it. Uh, anyways, do, 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 do. Seamus heads to the corner. No one to tag. Theory rolls Seamus up and eliminates him at 2435. Seamus drops Theory and Hardy before leaving. Rollins hits a frog splash to Hardy for a two count. Rollins and Theory set up Hardy for a double superplex, but Hardy fights them both off, hits the Swanton Bomb to Theory, pins him at 27 minutes. Yes, it's going this long. Hardy and Rollins are the are the final two competitors. Rollins yells at Hardy. Hardy hits a side Russian leg sweep for two. Forearm to the back of Hardy's head for two. Twist to fate by Hardy. He goes up top, but Rollins gets his knees up. Hits the curb stomp to eliminate Hardy as Rollins is the sole survivor yet again. stomp, okay? You can't say curb stomp anymore. Oh, is that right? Is that not allowed? I don't know. Since he brought it back, they only said the stomp. So this was, whatever, half an hour-ish? What did you think of this match? I I, I don't know. It was okay, I guess. It went way too long, though, without much happening i don't know i guess good that jeff hardy didn't win yeah and and i guess they recognized he was the most over so they kept him till the end sort of thing and i guess rollins is sole survivor so that's cool because he's second year in a row i I guess Mm. no he got first last time oh whatever i don't know entire team roster arrived last time uh this match was far too long for the lack of action it contained like you're giving me a half hour match SmackDown dominated with basic offense for the first several minutes. Pretty boring, I thought. Every Raw guy basically tagged in and did nothing other than sell to standard offense for I was timing it seven minutes to start this match. After that, there was some interesting action, but I would call it intermittent at best and very little happening. Bunch of guys fighting for no real stakes or no real reason. Almost all of these guys have switched brands recently and it really felt like it. The second half, if I'm being nice, was better than the first, but this was not a good match overall, and I've seen a lot of people really like this match. And at half an hour, far too long. This oh, show, and I do have the doc open if you need me to add anything. This to show basically went over a cliff a- after the opener, I thought. So I sure the year ends pretty soon. Sorry, what? Year ends pretty soon. It does. Um, and I ha- Sorry, I meant I have the doc open if you need me yeah, to add anything. I figured that's what you meant. So this match was hard to care about even a little bit. So then we get some more commercials. The broadcast team recapped the arrival of Vince McMahon with his golden egg from the kickoff show. And then we get another 25 years of rock video preparing for his making an appearance tonight, I would assume. 
So I don't know what's going on here. There's so many ads and so much product placement and we're two matches in on this show. I'm glad that WWE can add to the record profits by doing annoying stuff like this cross promotion and ads and as they lay off dozens of people every month for budgetary reasons. So keep making that money in your record profits and yep. keep firing people left, right and center. Yes. Backstage, nice. a security guard stands in front of Vince McMahon's dressing room. Roman Reigns shows up, stares the security guard down until he moves aside. Reigns knocks on the door and enters, shakes hands with Vince, who had his has the golden egg in a case on his it's desk. It's from the movie that they're sponsored by. That's all you need to know about it. Yep. Vince spoke of rock starting 25 years ago. Vince said the egg is not a stage prop, but it's the real thing, obviously. And it's worth $100 million, obviously. <laughs> so stupid. I Oh, my God. I guarantee it's Vince's thing, too, because like, he's literally in it, right? And so. then Rain says, almost as much as my next contract, which I thought was kind of funny. And then he just leaves the room. So what the hell? What? Why did this segment exist? I don't, Explain this to me. I hardly remember that it existed. Roman so. just sits there and he goes, this is my $100 million egg. And Roman goes, like, my next contract and leaves. And that's it. So, uh, oh, oh, he's related to Rock. So I don't... Boom. This is ridiculous. I don't know what the hell Vince is talking about. I don't care about this egg or this movie you're promoting. How did anyone think this is interesting to anybody? I'm sure it's very realistic for Vince to just walk around with a $100 million egg and just have it sitting on his desk, right? That's what you would do with a $100 million item. I know that's what I do. That's what all I the do time. all the time. Complete waste of time. I don't know who this is for. I'm getting angry, as you can tell, still a week out. So then we get a 25-man dual brand battle royal. To honor Rock 25. So my notes on this are not extensive, thankfully, for all of you. Uh, the Street Profits obnoxiously shill for pizza, right, as they make their entrance. Pizza hot. And that comes back uh, through this match. It's probably the most prominent thing of this match. Yeah, so Styles sort of leaves um, without being eliminated and is just watching from the announce table for a little bit. R-Truth then leaves, goes to ringside, and gets a piece of pizza. He brings it into the ring, tries to impress Omos with it, and Otis. Otis actually does take it and eat it. Truth pats him on the back, and then for some reason that enrages Otis, so Otis eliminates him. Omos and Otis then square off, and Omos dominates Otis, eliminates him. Ricochet eliminates T-Bar, Mansoor eliminates Alexander. Few eliminations later, Omos and Shanky meet in the middle of the ring. Big, <laughs> big guys, right? And Shanky. Omos just quickly tosses Shanky over the top rope to eliminate him. Cole said it was Omos's fourth elimination of the match already. Uh, Rude and Ziggler eliminated Mansoor. Then Omos eliminates Rude, and Ziggler sort of start, starts jawing at Omos. Styles enters then with a phenomenal forearm that eliminates Ziggler. Profits eliminate Zayn. Omos eliminates Aziz. Cruz gets upset that his man's out of the match, um, and then Styles is yelling at Aziz, who tries to pull him over the top rope, but almost grabs the feet of Styles, right? And they're sort of struggling to get him back that in the ring. That was so stupid. Almost gets hit from behind by Cruz, causing him to lose his grip, which leads to Styles falling ringside to be eliminated. So I'm pretty sure they counted that in Almost's elimination count, him eliminating of AJ course. Styles, right? Of course. So Almost then eliminates Cruz which Cole noticed, noted there was his eighth elimination at this point. So the match finally comes down to Omos, Cesaro, Ricochet, Ford, and Dawkins. Omos was ganged up on by the other entrants, but of course he fights them all off because he's really big. He eliminates Cesaro and Dawkins. 
Um, Ford hits a backhand on Omos, who then tosses him over the ropes to eliminate him. Ricochet removes his t-shirt, dropkick Omos, but Omos doesn't even leave his feet. So Omos, Omos, I can't say his name. I say it 50 different ways each Omos. show. Whatever. I don't care. Quickly disposed of Ricochet for his 12th elimination, allegedly. And to win the match in under 11 minutes, AJ goes to get more pizza. But Montez Ford takes him out, takes the pizza, and starts throwing it to people in the crowd. Gross. That is what's important. Screw Rock 25 in with the pizza. Thoughts on this match? Um, it was about Royal. That meant nothing and was about nothing other than Pizza Hut. And yep. also, I don't it, care. It was made to make almost look strong. That's it, right? He's now eliminated everybody. Basically, he's a monster. I picked him to win, by the way. Cha-ching. You should open that document as well mm-hmm. to see how well I'm doing. Uh, I guess on the plus side, they kept it short, right? 11 minutes for a 25-man battle royal. Uh, and this was really boring. Just a multi-man match where, and I have it in bold, nothing interesting happened. I would argue that not one memorable thing happened during this match. For me, battle royals always run the risk of not being good because the ring's just too full of people for the vast majority. WWE didn't even seem to try to make this one interesting. At least I picked the correct winner. It's the only silver lining for me. Overall, they bookended a bad match with lame advertising for pizza, right? That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what we got here. We get more advertising, another rock video, because we're getting ready for his appearance here on this show, obviously. Then Smith, McAfee, and Saxon sort of recap the kickoff show match that was oh so exciting. We then move into a Raw Tag Team Champions, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle taking on the Raw SmackDown Tag Team Champions of the Usos in a non-title match, so nothing that matters again. Mm-hmm. So Orton and Riddle are in control early on. The Usos eventually take over and isolate Riddle. Riddle eventually hits his modified GTS, makes a hot tag. Bro to sleep. Orton hits power slams to both Usos, then goes for his draping DDT on Jay, who Orton pulls to ringside. Um, Orton slams Jay into the broadcast table, tosses him back in the ring. Jimmy then charges at Orton, but Orton drops him on the table before returning to the ring. Orton hits his draping DDT to Jay. Riddle tags in, works over both Usos with kicks, a ripcord knee, and a leaping forearm, exploders, and sentons, which was actually a really cool sequence by Riddle here. Jay stops Riddle from, well, sorry, stops him with a pop-up neckbreaker for a two-count. The Isos, uh, Usos then isolate Riddle, including a pop-up tandem Samoan drop. Are you going to say the Isos isolate him? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just want, I'm trying to get through this because I just, uh, reliving this show is not fun. Orton later runs into a double super kick. The Usos follow up with a double super kick to a kneeling Riddle for a near fall. Orton eventually makes a blind tag. Jimmy doesn't notice. Jimmy super kicks Orton and then Riddle. Jimmy goes up top for a splash on Riddle, but Orton steps in and hits him with the RKO as he's coming off the ropes and pins him in just under 15 minutes. Your thoughts? Don't ask me why I'm questioning this, but I feel like it was Jay in the finish. Whatever. Who cares? What are your thoughts on it? Let's move on. Um, I'm trying to get through this crap show, so let's uh, go. This is boring. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't really care. Uh, This is the wrong result. And Arcade of Nowhere, what a surprise. Uh, Bored for the first half of this match. Second half was better, but still basically just an ordinary tag match. Riddle, for me, was the high point with one nice sequence in the middle. And I thought the finishing RKO was a pretty cool visual. And this is where I'm starting to notice the contrast between WWE and AEW pay-per-views. And it is a stark difference. Starting with builds and storylines to the crowd engagement, to the announcers being obnoxious or, or helpful, to the work in ring being like exciting and cool to like basic. There is no comparison. This is sports entertainment and not wrestling. This is not what I watch wrestling for. 
I don't blame the talent for the most part. I blame pretty much anybody else involved, but not the actual wrestlers themselves. Sorry, superstars, because they're not wrestlers. They're not. Right? Sports they, entertainers. Yes. Independent contractors. So we get another Rock 25 Years video, getting ready for his appearance on this show, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> and some more advertising. And this is painful, is in my notes. Like, painful to get through. Backstage, Sonya Deville is on the phone, sitting next to Adam Pierce. She hangs up the phone and Vince McMahon enters the room. Vince notices that someone has stolen the $100 million egg that he decided to just leave on his desk unattended. He didn't even lock his door. He tells DeVille to call the police. Adam Pierce tells McMahon it was possible that it was one of the superstars who stole stole it. And Vince says he'll figure it out on Raw tomorrow. That's gonna make me want to watch this that is... is the and he said he'll have everyone there so that's a uh ratings uh draw quote but unquote, wait and be an excuse to have everyone this on is one this sir don't you know survivor series is the one time a year where the brands interact mm. so are you telling me they're interacting tomorrow on raw it's twice in a year unbelievable uh, maybe so none of this matters sports entertainment it's insultingly stupid they're dragging this nonsense out onto Raw now, which I didn't watch and wouldn't watch, so it's fine. This is not a product for adults, in my opinion. WWE clearly, again, has a low opinion of who watches their stuff. Um, sounds like all the SmackDown stars will be on Raw tomorrow. How brand exclusive is all of this, right? Then they just get lazy and replay the Zia Lee comic book vignette from SmackDown. It is kind of cool visually, but uh, again, just a complete re- repeat. And I thought this was interesting too, right? Maybe I'm thinking too much. So she dedicated, remember it's basically like something happened. Her father died, I think, or whatever. So she dedicated her life to her family. Mm-hmm. Then moved to the US to become a professional wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is on SmackDown As you too. do when you As dedicate you your do. life to protecting your family. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go for women's elimination match. Team Raw, Bianca, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina taking on Team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Shotzi, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, and Tony Storm in a Survivor Series elimination classic match. Carmella goes to ringside, has her assistants put her mask on right away. Then but she then, has... like, it, she just doesn't bother with it, right? Like, she doesn't even put it on, and then, and when she's in the ring, she gets Zelina to put it on. Yes. But then, who? Do, but then, do, she doesn't get put on because Rhea Ripley or something, and then Rhea she gets Ripley rips up. it off, and I, then I, it was stupid. Carmella's distracted by the mask being ripped off and gets rolled up and pinned by Tony Storm one minute in. We get a series of rapid fire spots, including involving most of the competitors. Baszler puts Ripley in a Kirafuda clutch, but Ripley falls back to break the hold. Belair and Banks then have a showdown moment that the crowd seems actually interested in. Belair goes for a handspring move but knocks Natalia off the apron. Banks hits a tornado DDT and makes the cover, but Ripley breaks up the pinfall. Belair takes control, goes for her KOD finisher, but Banks grabs her braid to avoid it. Later, Belair presses Zelina overhead, tosses her at Banks, which leads to a two count. Tony Storm tags in, and Queen Zelina is eliminated by Storm at about 14 minutes, so it's 4 4 now. Liv Morgan then hits Tony Storm with the Oblivion and pins Storm to eliminate her at the 15-minute mark. So it's Raw 3, SmackDown 4 is it left. Is bad that I forgot what the Oblivion is? It's Yeah, it's that move that she... I don't remember what it is either, but <laughs> it's fine. Shotzi tags in and heads up top. Sasha blind tags Shotzi. Shotzi hits an awful splash. Remember this? 
Oh, it was yeah. one after the other, and hers oh, was like falling awkwardly. And then Banks hits a better one, and Sasha pins Liv Morgan, eliminates her at 1610. It's now Raw 2, SmackDown 4. Ripley picks up Banks in a delayed vertical, walks around the ring before putting her down for a two count. Ripley follows up with a missile dropkick, and Baszler tags in. Banks hits a backstabber to Rick Ripley. Shotzi hits a next breaker with help from Baszler, who then covers Ripley and pins her. So Ripley's gone. At 1740, so Raw has one person left, and SmackDown still has four. So it's Bianca Belair, the final member of Raw, and I called it as soon as it got down to this, right? I'm like, this is where Belair just fights and eliminates all of them. So Shotzi and Banks are arguing. Banks shoves Shotzi into Baszler, who was not pleased about that. Natalia pulls Banks off the apron. Banks is prevented from returning to the ring by her own teammates somehow. So she's eliminated by eliminated by countout by her own teammates. Even at though about 20 she was minutes. halfway in the ring, right, which breaks it, the count in every other match. Every ever. time they someone wants to uh, break the count, they like roll into like yes. half or like three quarters of yes. the way in the ring, and that's she was like mostly in the ring. So this was dumb. Of course it was. So it's now Raw 1, SmackDown 3. Natalia puts Belair in a sharpshooter, but she breaks free, hooks Natalia to pin her and eliminate her at 21-15. So it's 2-1 SmackDown now. Baszler puts Belair in the Kirafuda clutch, but she quickly escapes, hits a glam slam, and pins Baszler. So Baszler is eliminated at 21-45, and now it's 1-on-1. One -on -one, and it comes down to Belair and Shotzi. Shotzi hits a crossbody from the ropes, but Belair rolls through. Shotzi slams Belair's head on the mat, but Belair eventually does hit her KOD, scores the clean pin on Shotzi, and Team Raw's B Bianca Belair was the sole survivor to win this match. Yeah, that's, in... that's a pretty good choice, I guess, yeah. if you're going to do sole survivor. Just under 24 minutes. What did you think of this one? I don't know. I thought this was... It was... It wasn't great because like it wasn't. Although I will be thankful they got rid of Carmella almost immediately. Like Zelina wasn't in for too long. Right. Shotzi actually did some crappy stuff, so that sucks. But I mean, it was okay. I guess it would be better than the men's one just because I guess it didn't go as long. I thought so, but most people didn't in looking it, at it other just, reviews. Because I don't, it, I don't think it went as long, and there wasn't as much. Like I guess like. Yes, some of these people suck, but there, I feel like there wasn't as many lulls, at least. That's what I thought. I so, thought there was at least some fast-paced sequences in right. this one that I didn't think were in the I men's mean, one. I mean, yeah, Baszler didn't win, but she, I, I don't think she looked stupid either. So at least I, they used I'm this to make Belair look strong, yeah, which I'm I'll fine with. Yeah, I'll take that, right? Yep. I'll settle for that. So, I, I like I said, I enjoyed this a bit more than the men's elimina elimination match. It's a very low bar, and I'm not saying this was a good match either, because it wasn't. But there were at least a few fast-paced sequences, and there seemed to be some interest in some of the competitors facing off, like Belair and Sasha seemed to get a bit of a reaction. Because they did have a good match in the past. They did. Right? So. And there were still some boring stretches here, and there were some sloppy spots as well, but at least there was some decent action along the way. And sort of once they cleared the dead, the dead weight out of the way and let some of the better stars go at it, it was a little bit more entertaining. And at least, like we're saying, Belair was made to look like a beast. But again, this wasn't a good match. Um, nothing really was after the opener, in my opinion. But maybe the main event will save it. It is the WWE Champion Big E taking on Universal Champion Roman Reigns for no reason, for no stakes, with no story really behind it, or a very little story. So these two circle each oh, other. Wait, I just remembered a time that they that Raw and SmackDown crossed because these guys had a triple threat with Bobby Lashley on Raw. Right. Roman Reigns from SmackDown. So boom, this is not the only night that Raw and SmackDown collide. That's what I was being sarcastic because they collide all the time. I I just I couldn't think of anything this year other than maybe Raw this week, but so there was an actual example. Right. 
they circle each other, they start, they lock up in the middle of the ring. Big, Big E gets the better of that struggle initially, so Reigns kind of heads to the outside to regroup. Gets back in the ring, levels Big E with a Superman punch, one of what felt like 900 Superman punches. Uh, Big E leapfrogs Reigns a bit later, levels him with a back elbow. Big E punts Reigns in the ribs, pulls him to the apron for a volley of forearms to the chest. Big E then goes for a running splash on the apron, but Reigns rolls out of the way. Big E then ends up taking the drive-by from Reigns after missing that splash on the apron. Reigns rolls Big E back into the ring, locks in a seated rear chin lock for some excitement for the fans. Yeah. Big E fights back to his feet, connects with more forearm shots, but Reigns regains control with a big boot. Reigns tosses Big E to the outside, slams his head into the ring post. Reigns slams Big E's head into the ring post again, but Big E buys himself some time by whipping Reigns into the steps now. So Big E recovers a little bit, and they head back into the ring. Big E hits three consecutive belly-to-belly suplexes. He then hits the ropes, delivers a running splash, charges at Reigns, but Reigns catches Big E with a Samoan drop for a two-count. He is Samoan. Reigns then charges at Big E, and Big E catches him with the Uranagi as they're kind of going back and forth here. Big E locks in a stretch muffler, but Reigns pulls himself up, floats over to escape. Reigns goes for a Superman punch. Big E avoids it. Reigns catches Big E with a rock bottom for a two count because we know at this point Rock will be making an appearance with all yep. of these highlight videos. They're saving even, him for after the main event. He's going to set, set up the WrestleMania match with Roman. He's going to come in and they're gonna, he's going to interact right. with Reigns and will set up WrestleMania, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there's a little homage to Rock there with a rock bottom. Uh, and then Reigns hits another Superman punch, but Big E only drops to one knee because he's big, tough champion. <laughs> another Superman punch, but Big E again fights back to his feet third superman punch that's i think four or five total in the show now or on this match you can never have too many superman punches that's the one thing i've learned about wwe he sets up for a spear but Big E gets to his feet and stares down roman reigns he is defiant i imagine they said (laughs) big e spears reigns off the apron he does that spot that's always dangerous rolls him back into the ring but reigns hits the ropes and catches big e with the spear reigns makes the cover but big e kicks out at two Reigns goes for a guillotine, but Big E lifts Reigns, drives him into the corner. Big E again tries to spear Rhodes off the apron, but Reigns catches him in a guillotine between the ropes. Reigns heads back into the ring, locks in the guillotine in the middle of the ring, but Big E powers out, counters into a big ending. Big E makes the cover, but Reigns grabs the bottom rope to prevent the three count. Reigns rolls back outside again. Big E slams his head into the top turnbuckle. Whips Reigns into the barricade and tries to whip him into the ring steps, but Reigns reverses and instead whips Big E into the steps. Reigns connects with another Superman punch, God, and uh, off of the steps this time and rolls Big E back oh, into the off ring. Off of the steps? That changes everything. Right? That's the super finisher. Big E goes for another big ending, but Reigns blocks it, hits the spear for the three count. I didn't get how much time this was, but Wait, let I would me argue. Get this straight. He I would won argue with too a much. spear and not a Superman punch? Well, he hit 17 Superman punches along the way, so it weakened him for the spear. That's how it works. Yes. Thoughts on this match? Uh, I don't know. It was okay. A clash between two big beefy boys. Uh, and I don't know. It just wasn't like that. It wasn't interesting. It was a very main roster match. It was. Very Roman just, Reigns plotting. Yeah. It's getting know. old for me. It is. I didn't like it. It wasn't great. And I don't care. I think Reigns is the perfect, like, he works WWE style that they love. He is capable of working faster and better, but this is all they want him to do, right? Take your time, hit some big moves, walk around, sell, tell a story. Um, It's sports entertainment. Don't worry about fast-paced action and all kinds of crazy stuff. Don't worry about entertaining people. So I think this was fine, maybe good, but that's it. Probably the second best match on the show. But again, there were 
there's nothing on this show that was good other than the opener. No stakes for this match, really. It was clear who would win the entire time. The rain style, like I'm saying, is starting to wear thin on me, as is this character, because it was the best thing on WWE main roster forever, but now it's just like, there's no star on the horizon that's a realistic challenger. His matches all it's feel... It's like running too long. His matches all feel the same to me. It's just a ton of Superman punches, him walking around, talking a lot, right? Just taking his time between moves. It all feels very, very similar all the time. And I guess, again, this is the main roster style of match. And by that standard, it was probably good. But I was only slightly entertained by this. Um, partly because of the action. Partly, I don't even know if it was. There was a pretty big, like, so what factor to this, right? But I guess the fact is Biggie was kept to look strong because he took a thousand Superman punches to take him down or whatever. I don't know. This was them keeping him strong. And then my final note before we talk about the overall was, again, despite all the talk of battling for brand supremacy, I don't remember a single time on this show where they talked about the score between Which Raw they and SmackDown, usually do. Or made any reference to it on the actual show, right? Not even on the show where they like, oh, this is all about brand supremacy. That was part of like leading up to the show, but no, nah, not at all here. But anyways, overall thoughts and a letter grade. Uh, boring is my first uh, thought. Fair. Um, it was super boring. It didn't matter. It wasn't interesting. It didn't entertain me for a second, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. It just, like, even the good matches or the better matches still sucked. Um, the kickoff was nothing, and, um, there, no one really looks good coming out of this. You can only ever really, like, stand to lose something from this. You can't really benefit from anything from this. Like, right. even Belair looking somewhat good in the it's like, so what? right yep. it, like it just nothing matters I, I i struggle to give anything good from this so i'm a d yep um so i could barely tolerate this show if i'm being honest and again the in-ring stuff was okay to whatever but like everything else surrounding it was I just, awful like i hate awful, the main awful, roster awful. style i just can't all of the segments drag this show from being like tolerable to basically I couldn't like this just made me angry it made me more angry than entertained me you know what I mean I would argue there was one good match on this show and that it was the opener probably because it has an actual story and some real life tension too after that it was watching whatever WWE decided to throw at the wall at the last minute right to see if anything would stick nothing mattered nobody gained anything combine that with the insane amount of time dedicated to movie promotion rock promotion straight up commercials you get a show that was barely watchable in my opinion this company clearly doesn't care about entertaining anyone they have their tv contract money they're making record profits they have no motivation to actually try and it really really shows on this show um, i think can i put this in our worst pay-per-view section I, it's for sure at least a nominee if not okay. like the front yeah that's runner. what i mean this is supposed to be one of the big four pay-per-views and it was absolutely a waste of time Things like this honestly have me considering canceling the WWE Network now that NXT I don't need anymore, right? And the pay-per-views like this are garbage. I can get them elsewhere if we really see one interesting. And putting that money into somewhere else in the wrestling economy, right? I could pick up I New think, Japan. I could pick up something or like, else. It, I think the second AEW gets one, right. like, why would we want this? Right. So why am I still giving WWE monthly money when they offer me no right. value? So my question to you is, um, is there any matches you would want to put on the worst oven? If so, which ones? Uh, I don't think so offhand. I mean, I'd have to All look right. into it later. Right. So I thought this was garbage, waste of time. I gave it a D as well. Like I could have failed it probably, but uh, 
Oh, did we forget to talk about um, Rock making an appearance at the end and cutting a promo? I think we missed it, yeah. Oh, wait. He was not involved at all. For Despite his... dedicating a thousand segments to The Rock's 25-year career. And a $100 million egg. And stuff from his movie and ads for his movie and props from his movie and people doing his moves, The Rock appeared nowhere on this show. It's embarrassing. They were clearly trying to lead people to think that was happening. So they do not care about you. They are actually trolling you and setting you up to want things and laughing that they're not giving it to you. That's how I feel at this point, right? Mm -hmm. This is just a garbage company right now. Yep. I have no interest. I have no respect for what they're doing. Again, no offense to the performers, the talent. It's not their fault. There's a ton of talented performers. We see it. Everybody that goes to AEW immediately looks better. Miro, right? Andrade, Bobby Fish. Alistair Black. Bobby Fish, of all different Danielson. spots on the card, right? This just is not a company that cares or is trying, and I'm I'm about done with them, mm -hmm. frankly. All right, you want to run through the yep, let's picks go. quick? Um, so Battle Royal, that's one for Me, you. Me, that's a big one. That should be like we're four or five. But anyways, <laughs> I'll take one. Um, so that's one nothing you. Then we both picked Usos. We both got that wrong, so it's still one nothing you. Okay. Um, Nakamura versus Priest, we both picked priest so we were actually both wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's weird um team roberts team smackdown women's uh you got that right so that's two nothing Dang. you um team raw team smackdown men's uh that's one for me uh so it's two one you uh we both picked becky lynch so that's uh three two i you. win i got the main event um, and so yeah, did you four three yes you. but we i got more wrong than usual usually despite not watching main roster <laughs> i pick like everything right yeah. It's super predictable. Well, it's because we both went opposites on the Survivor Series match, so we right. both had to get one wrong. Right. Well, that is going to end, I think, our Any Other Wrestling Business segment and bring us to our last segment where Jack's going to update us on the world of wrestling action figures, and that is Figuring It Out with Jack. Yeah, and so we only have one thing, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, there's this, uh, it's a AEW ringside exclusive coffin drop Darby Allen. What does that entail? I'm so, intrigued. So, based on... I'll show you the picture, actually. Um, now, do you get it? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's like literal Ethan coffin page drop. match. When um, he dropped yeah. on a coffin. So, um, hold on. I'll go to... I'm going to ringside, and then I'll... They do actually have a bit of a description. So, originally, like, I assume it's at least, like, the figure from the match. So, that's cool, because I, I think the Darby Allen figures are nice. I still want to get his Unmatched Series 1 figure, because that's got the body paint, which I think is... Yes, oh, really cool. you do like the body paint. So it's going to have the Darby Allen figure, and it's got two heads, so that's pretty cool, interchangeable heads for him. So it is a ringside exclusive, so I guess you get like a little more a soft goods body bag. So you get a body bag. Cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know if that, that's ever been done before, yeah. or at least not in a while, so that's kind of no, cool. No, because WWE, I don't think, is putting out body bags. A soft bags. PVC entrance jacket. I don't know if that means like the soft rubber like his other figures, but that would be cool. Coffin-shaped skateboard as well as like the packaging is shaped like a coffin. So I I, th I was hoping it would come That's with an cool. actual coffin, but I think it's still pretty cool. It's another Darby Allen. I I'll definitely like have that on my wants because I think the Darby Allen figure is always pretty nice. Yep. Face paint. So I, I like do it. like face paint. Face paint's nice. And that is literally it. Wow. One random review. Quick one this week. Uh, there's I guess another thing they have the Black Friday sale. If you want to look at stuff, there's some stuff. cool stuff. Well, I guess that's going to wrap up episode 71 of FNS Wrestling Podcast. I will probably be back Monday or Tuesday to talk about, I think, the, la the last Ring of Honor, I think, or second last, penultimate maybe. I, oh, I thought you were going to want to talk about wrestling. Because the pay-per-views of it December 11th and then they're done. But anyways. Yeah, it's, I, I, 
could they fit in there? There might I be think another one more. I don't know. But they anyways, could, at least. A big thanks to anyone that's taken any time out of their day or week to listen to us talk about wrestling. We really do appreciate it. We will definitely be back here next Saturday for episode 72. I'll yes, probably sir. have Impact back on the schedule then. We'll figure out what we're doing. Another two-hour wrestling special. We'll figure out what we're doing to replace NXT 2.0. So yep. you can... We'll figure out something. And we, we were talking about it one day. We at least have a lot of options. Yep. And if do. anyone wants to, like, If you want to give us a suggestion, something specifically, then... feel free. Yeah. FNSWrestling at gmail.com. FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. Or leave yep. a comment in YouTube if you have any suggestions. We could talk about NXT UK, MLW, I don't know. So, uh, retro NXT has been I was, bandied about. I was about. even suggesting maybe move Impact there now, yep. and then I'll jump in on that. But we'll, we will figure something out. We will have something. Yep. So look for that next Saturday. We will see you all back here then. And until that time, take care.